guys, welcome to Slash Report. I'm Prue, and I'm joined by my partner in crime as ever, MK. Hello. Hi. This is kind of like an omnibus, like, ask us anything slash fangirl confessional episode. Yeah, it's a little bit of everything thrown together. Yeah, I mean, it's funny. We have, like, in case you're wondering, like, we have a ton of questions and confessions, like, we actually had, like, a huge backlog built up over the course of this season, so if you haven't heard your question prior to today, it's probably because we're saving it for this episode. And if it's not on this episode, it's because we lost it. Yeah, and you should send it to us again, because we're dicks. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but how have you been, MK? Uh, I've been okay. It's wedding season, it's summer, it's hot out, you know. Yeah, it's, it's disgusting. I hate this time of year. Yeah, I've never been so glad to have, like, air conditioning and in-apartment laundry. Yeah, I don't have either of those things, and all I really want right now is to go down to my super and be like, if I buy an AC unit, will you install it for me? I don't know about in New York, but in Toronto, they are required by law to like help you install AC or give you an AC unit. Yeah, I feel like the thing is that it's probably required by law in New York as well, but, but they that don't care. no bearing on whether or not it will actually happen. Yeah, that's probably true here too. Yeah, good Jesus Christ. I'm going to go knock on this door and find out later today. But I did have to tell you, like, hilariously, MK, guess what movie I went and saw last night? White House Down. Just an astonishing feat of cinema. (laughs) Is it like, should I see it for $5 or should I see it for $10? You should see it for no dollars. It is, it is, it's like... I, we came out of that movie and it was just like, it was just a lot of people making this noise like over and over again. Ah, <laughs> I, I, hmm. Like, what do you even say to this movie? It's so, it's so ravishingly stupid that I felt dumber for having watched it and just so insulted that it exists as an object in reality. Like, the deaths in this film get spectacularly dumber and dumber as the movie progresses to the point where, like, you're at the end of that film and you're like, are you shitting me? This is some 12-year-old boy, like, at the psychiatrist's office <laughs> writing one of those stories they make you write to test whether or not you're a sociopath. And the answer is yes, Roland Emmerich. There's something wrong with you. Really? Yeah, and it's just... it. Okay, so, like, the theater we were in was packed. and. We laughed a lot, and that movie was not supposed to be funny. (laughs) Like, not just, like, awkward, ironic tittering from the hipsters. I mean, like, full-throated, you are shitting me laughter from the entire audience at multiple points during that film. Good, good. Yeah. I would like to point out that even the $5 theater in my neighborhood is not playing Superman, because they're like, fuck that. Nobody's going to see it. That's because, you know what, and here's the thing, this is like a really short digression, I haven't seen it yet, and I really don't want to, because every, and I went ahead and read, like, spoiler reviews of it, because I have no, I've never liked any of the Superman movies, and I don't think that, like, I would have cared if I had been spoiled. I'm really angry at a lot of elements of this film, because it just betrays, like, so many fundamental premises of, like, you know what, I know you don't like Superman very much, but, like, I did, and on some level I think I still do. You know what, I loved Superman when I was a kid. Yeah, and I, well, I love Superman as an adult, but, like, it's just, it was really, I was weirdly upset by, like, some of the plot, quote-unquote plot, quote-unquote narrative choices that were made for this film, because it completely upends the point of Superman, you know? Like, if there's two things everyone knows about Superman is that Superman is Clark Kent, and that Superman doesn't kill. And, like, that, you know, 
Like, why? Why? Shut up, Zack Snyder. Just, I hate everything. I saw a spoilery gif on Tumblr, and I don't know if it's real or if it's, like, a Tumblr mashup or whatever, but at the end of the movie, spoilers, like, guys, stop listening now if you care. Or skip ahead two minutes. Skip ahead, yeah, basically. Because we're going to stop talking about this. Um, But at the end, apparently, he, like, introduces himself to Lois Lane as Clark Kent. And I guess no one else recognizes him, but she does. I don't, you know what, like, even if that happens, I don't care, because their first kiss is, like, in front of, like, the burning rubble of Metropolis. He kills General Zod, and, like, apparently feels no conflict about it. What? And Yeah, and half the movie is set on Krypton. And I'm just like, do you, like... Have you ever read Superman? Because, come on. Like, what are you doing? Like, Yeah, no, that sounds really problematic. I just... uh, I did not read The Death and Life of Superman in the stacks at my local library eight times as a child for this bullshit. Anyways. Yeah, we need to move on. I know. We have to move on. First one, we have a question that came in through um, the confessional email, so I guess their shame is attached to this one. (laughs) (laughs) I have a strange question. What are people's thoughts on incepting the younger generation into fandom? I have a job where I'm frequently surrounded by 12-year-old girls who are all, unsurprisingly, have a lot of feelings about One Direction. I'm in the 1D fandom because I'm a terrible person, but I try to only use my knowledge for good at work, i.e. looking forward to the movie. Trailers look awesome. I also have a colleague who... um, at work, who is in One Direction fandom, but she doesn't check her fangirl heart at reception. She advocates pairings proudly and encourages the girls to do the same. I'm not entirely certain how I feel, because on the one hand, around that age, I was, was when I first found fandom, and it had such a huge positive impact on my life that I would never want to discourage anyone from joining. On the other hand, should finding fandom be an individual choice? Not to mention One Direction fandom is problematic in many, many ways, especially as a first fandom. Also, any suggestions on what I should say once parents get wind of this? There was a response within the confessional account from someone whose TLDR was, the message should be fandom is fine, shipping is fine, I'm not your parent, but you have one which you know better than I what line they might draw. Basically, cover your ass, but don't discourage. Stay relatively noncommittal on shipping and explicit things. So if a parent ever asks, well, you're the one that encouraged writing, arting, podficking, wrecking, etc., not the one encouraging a 12-year-old to read porn. See, I have a totally different opinion on this. I I have a vague suspicion I know what your opinion is, so hit me with it. If your job is to take care of minors, like, they're under 18, they're minors, uh, you are working for the parents, not for the children. Your job is to keep your coworker from getting that stuff all over your workplace, like... I think it's... Di- like, that, that's not necessary. I didn't get the impression that she was necessarily, like, looking after minors so much as in a position where you interact a lot with minors as a, like, sort of tangent of your regular position. I guess, but I don't know. To me, it's like, if there are kids involved, you have to think of the parents first because they're the ones who are going to get you fired or your coworker fired. And it's not just like I was totally in fandom and reading porn like well before that age. My parents would have been furious if they had known. That's true. But I also don't necessarily, I think that I'm torn on this because I feel like there's a part of me that gets really mad when we sort of like try to ghettoize fandom and it's like, why is it bad and wrong? to like something like fandom and it's like this is where the whole shame spiral begins and if we were more open about it and we were more open about guiding younger fans to like good things then maybe fandom wouldn't be such like a dark fucking secret and we would not live in like the fucking closet with the internet equivalent of the hanky code on the other hand she brings up a really good point like 
should you be doing this? Like, you're right. Like, if, if parents found out about it, they would probably get really mad depending on what was being recommended or, like, what was being discussed with the kids. Um, I guess my point of view on this is if the little, if the children, I, I love that I'm calling them children, if the tweens and the kids are the ones who start that conversation, like, if two of them walk in and they're like, oh my god, inoffensive bland kid who can't sing is so cute when he's with inoffensive bland kid who can't sing number two, like, you can be like, yeah, they're really adorable. But I wouldn't necessarily be like, if you really like them, you should read this story where one of them is like a dragon and they're fucking in a mountain. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, I think you can be positive without yes, without providing further context. That is exactly, that's a good area to draw that line. Yeah, I just, I feel like you're right in the sense that like, to me as well, I found fandom around that age. And it was also a hugely positive experience. I think whatever you can do to make them not feel like they should be ashamed of having interests and liking things is great. But I don't necessarily know that you want to be providing them like the highways and the keys into the kingdom in this case. Yeah. And I would like dissociate yourself with your co from your coworker. Like, I don't know that it's your job to be like, you need to shut that down. But like, I would make sure to put some distance between you guys because inevitably some parents going to get really pissed off. Absolutely. No, that all sounds really reasonable to me. Be supportive. That's my encourage extensively plus also i mean like maybe it's different if it's not something you're really familiar with but there's something vaguely i'd be slightly creeped out like if i was at let's say i was at the library and somebody saw me checking out a book and like saw me checking out harry potter and i made some snide comment about how i really loved remus and Sirius. like in a librarian was suddenly like oh my god, me too, I fucking love, like, like, XYZ fic by XYZ author, I'd be like, I have to leave now, like, I have to moonwalk out of this situation, because (laughs) I don't really, but I don't know how much of that is just indoctrinated from a long life of... (laughs) It's hard to say. (laughs) I would have the same reaction as you, I'd be like, oh, I'm gonna be thrown in a van at any moment, I need to get out of here. I would not think about the van thing, I would think more about the whole, like, I don't want to be party to this conversation. (laughs) (laughs) I, I don't know, I like to keep some pretty firm lines in different parts of my life from fandom. Yeah. Yeah. uh, Completely understandable and pretty much where I would definitely draw the line. Yeah. All right, let's go into the next one. Uh, This one's from Tribby. (laughs) This one's for MK. This one is for me. If I write a girl-style sentinel fic for Camp Nanorimo this July and post it to AO3, will MK read it? Um, And she has a little snippet there, but I'm not going to read that. I always think that people should write more Sentinel fic, so absolutely do it. And I hope that you get a lot of clicks on it, because I just want that trend to, like, spread throughout all of fandom. And I want the opposite, so, you know, we'll see what wins. (laughs) Yeah, and if you enjoy Prue's pain, write more. It doesn't hurt me. I just ignore everything. So, (laughs) I... It just offends me that it exists on some sort of cosmic level, but it won't individually cause me a pinprick. Uh, yeah, okay, sure. Unless MK, like, comes to my house and starts reading it to me. I'm only gonna do that when I find RPS of us. Oh, man. You can, like, show up in New York and be like, I have a printout for you. I, I, you know what, here's the thing. I would be totally hilariously into that just to know what the characterizations are like. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anyways, next 
next comment that came in through the anon confessional email. So I think me and my friend accidentally initiated a soul bond. We don't live in the same state, but we've been sharing headaches and colds. There was also that time I accidentally gave her my dairy allergy, which I'm okay with because now she laughs at me less when I start to itch. It's worse if we don't talk to each other for a while, you know, like if we only text a couple times during the day. I'm kind of hoping we develop telepathy, though. I mean, I've read all the thick out there. Stopping a soul bond never actually works, but it's not really conducive to living and working across the country from each other. Help. There's nothing we can do for you. I know. The other day I puked at work, and then I just went on, like, my email, and I was like, Prue, did you just puke, or is that me? That's you. (laughs) That was you. (laughs) It was all me. But, like, sometimes I puke, and it's because she's been puking, so. That's fair. Yeah, there are a lot of times where, like, people will be like, I feel like crap. And I was like, oh, yeah, sorry, I have a sinus infection. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't actually, you know what, here's the thing. Even as though I, you know, we jokingly talk about our soul bond, I feel like there has to be something to it. Because, like, it's the same way that when you put, like, a crew of chicks, like, in the same contained space, like, all of their periods sink. You know what? Here's my thing with lady time. Yeah. Science can tell you, like, all sorts of things about lady time. Yeah. And... I got to the point where I read this thing that was, like, in the absence of artificial lights. Like, if we were just living out in nature with, like, no candles, no flashlights, nothing, just, like, going off nature. Yeah. uh, All of our lady times would sync up to the moon cycles. And I'm like, you can tell me that's science, but I'm just going to call bullshit and be like, magic. That shit is magic. I, you know what, and I, like, obviously don't believe in magic and hate it, but I'm sort of with you. Like, I genuinely think there's, like, a lot of shit that goes on with, like, your body and weird hormonal signals that, like, you cannot explain through ordinary channels. And it's the same way that, like, your bad mood is, like, contagious, your good mood is contagious, like, how your mom sort of always gets you or, like, maybe your best friend always gets you. Like, I feel like there's something to that. There's some weird shit happening out there, and you just have to kind of roll with it. Yeah, definitely. I I mean, I always bring this up, but seriously, guys, I had a regular period once, and then it was gone for, like, four days, and I went to London to visit Prue, and suddenly, (laughs) full second period because she was menstruating. (laughs) Like, that shit is magic. Not good magic, but magic. She was so pissed, too. It was hilarious. I didn't have anything with me. I was like, we have to go to Boots, like, immediately. Yeah, especially since I was like, but I have tampons. And you were like, you're a filth whore. (laughs) Anyway. not using your tampons. (laughs) Crossing a line. Ah, beautiful. Okay, um. Sorry to all of our dude listeners. I know. Wait, do we have dude listeners? We do. What? Multiple, yeah. What, like two? At least two. All right, good. All right. Next one is yours, buddy. Thank you. Um, this is Kane and Gray via Tumblr. Okay. She has two questions. The first one is, what do you think about crossovers? I've been reading Buffy crossovers for years, but they've been getting harder and harder to find. Well, to find good ones anyway. Do you read crossovers? Are there any fandoms you like to see paired together? Uh, I don't like crossovers. Um... Like, generally speaking, I'm not the person who... And I'm saying crossover in the understanding that, like, the characters that belong to each canon still exist in the canon. So, like, if you had a Buffy crossover with, say, Hot Fuzz, it would be the Buffy crew meeting, like, Simon Pegg and Nick Frost characters from Hot Fuzz and, like, them having an adventure together. Yeah, because I like fusions where, like, you put yeah. the character from Series A into the role of character from Series B. Yes. But crossovers I have no interest in. Yeah, and I that's not, like, a new thing. I've just, like, never been interested in them. And I feel like in old school fandom, 
it, they were a bigger thing than they are now. Yeah, definitely. Especially in anime, right? Yes. There were a lot more crossovers. <laughs> Um, of, like, I would say, like, ten years ago, crossovers were, like, still a fairly big thing, and nowadays, like, you generally see fusions. Yeah, I would say my thing, like, I don't even like, and this is really judgy of me, but, you know, it's personal reading taste, whatever. I don't even like it when I see, like, characters from a different series show up as background characters in another story. I don't mind if it's cleverly, I mean, like, obviously all of it comes back to, like, if it's really How cleverly it? done and well-written, yeah, like, I'll like it. Yeah. But the general trope, it's not something I ever seek out. Yeah, most of the time I'm like, mm-mm, no. Yeah. All right, and the second part of her question is, what do you guys think about Femslash? Do you have any femships in your armada? If you do, what are they? I think Femslash is fine. It's not my first go-to line of defense in terms of, like, slash reading. I love Rizzolian Isles, but I have yet to find really solid fic for them. Yeah, I feel like that's like a, that's sort of like a hobbled fandom, isn't it? Like, it exists, but not very robustly. Yeah, it's weird. There's a lot of problems with it, but, I mean, I really enjoy the show, and I think what it, they did like a poll, like a mainstream poll. Yeah, and Rizzolian Isles is like the major pairing. Yeah, they were like, nobody likes to, like, just get those two ladies together, and the people who write the show were like, haha, we'll never do that, but like, we'll keep playing it up and I was like all right fine I'm still gonna keep shipping it I mean one of the shows that I have like a major femship in is one that like I like philosophically but I don't actually want to have it happen on the show and there's so little thick that it's kind of a pointless endeavor but for the good wife Alicia and Kalinda yeah like on the show I just want them to be like best friends again um in fandom it that's like not really a fandom that exists <laughs> That's similar to, I know that Warehouse 13 has, like, a small fandom, and there are, like, at least... Mika and H.G. Wells! Mika and H.G. Wells, but also I really love, um, fuck, there's a new pairing that I like, which is the new shrink who's in their office with, um, I always forget her name, even though I love her the most. Okay. The hacker girl. You clearly love her so much. I'm sick. Okay. I love, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. I don't really have many. Neither do I. I mean, this kind of goes back to the whole, like, lack of presence of Femslash in fandom, which is sort of, like, unfair, but also speaks generally to, like, a lack of interesting characters um, in the sort of genre in the sort of genre shows that spawn fandoms. Yeah, that's true. It's another thing with, like, they don't really create media for women. Yeah, and they you very rarely have interactions between women that do exist on the genre shows that would be sufficient to spawn. Yeah, like most of the shows that we watch probably would not pass the Bechdel test. I mean, most of the shows I watch do. Yeah, but you're kind of weird. I am. I am kind of weird. <laughs> yeah, so you have a higher tolerance for things that, like, I can't handle and vice versa. Like, there are things that I can handle in large doses that you're like, I hate this, I'm failing out, see you never. Yeah, but, I mean, let's be real. Like, what are those things that you handle in large doses that I'm just like, this offends me to the core? Almost anything in Teen Wolf. Yeah, and those, I'm not, like, I'm just gonna be real here, that's fucking awful. And, like, I don't feel bad or, like, weak at all for not being able to handle, like, shitty stuff. No, and similarly, I don't feel bad or weak for hating, like, I hate Buffy. I hate that show. It's the worst. I don't watch Buffy, and I was never into it. <laughs> I tried. I tried it while I was, like, completely normal, and I tried it while I was stoned out of my mind on painkillers. And Let me ask you a question, though. Like, what didn't you like about Buffy? Buffy herself, for the most part. Really? I can't stand that girl. Why? She's what was what was super annoying about her? So whiny and, like, 
everything she does is a stupid decision, and I don't think that she's good at what she does. Like, I was like, there's no reason for you to be the main character. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, we're gonna get some amazing hate mail for this. Amazing hate mail. Well, you know, you want me to list all the things I hate? Because there's a lot of things I hate. Please don't. Please don't. Yeah. We've managed to keep up the fiction that I don't know why fandom likes to support that I'm a monster, but you're nice. Uh, Let's just let that one go. It's the House and Wilson effect. That's true. Everyone thought that House was such a dick, but he's the nice one. He is the nice one. Wilson's an asshole. And P.S. Guys, I'm Wilson in this relationship. Yeah, you're pretty awful. Um, uh, I don't, like, I remember, so here's the deal. Like, I watched the original Buffy the Vampire Slayer movie. I love that movie. Yeah, it was bad. It was not a good movie. Um, everything about it was kind of terrible, but I liked the concept. And I so I started watching Buffy when it ran on television, but I didn't hate it, but it just never really resonated with me um, for some of the same reasons that you just mentioned, where I like, and obviously it's like an unfair judge, it's like a deeply unfair judgment, because I would be watching that, um, and I'd be thinking, like, why would you do that? You know, like, why are you not just sucking it up and being more mature about this. Yeah. But it's it's really unfair because who knows how I would have behaved in a similar in a similar context. But it was annoying enough that I didn't really I didn't watch the show long term. But I did end up watching Angel, so I can't really say that like my tastes <laughs> were too highbrow. I read some Angel, but at that point I was deep into the painkiller zone. <laughs> Um, but the other thing with Buffy for me is I always look at that and I'm like, look at how Buffy handled this. And then I look at Sailor Moon and I'm like, Sailor Moon, arguably a whiny crybaby, handled it way better. No, disagree on all levels. I hate Sailor Moon. Actually, I hate Sailor Moon the way that you hate Buffy. What? I super identified with that girl. I know, she's useless. No. We had this fight before where like, I basically am Ray. Yeah, you are Ray. Yeah. (sighs) Why are we friends? I don't know, because you're fucking useless. <laughs> I am so not useless. You are. Who's going to edit this episode? Fail upwards. You're not necessary to edit this episode. I can edit this episode. I do a better job of it. Sure. Okay. Every time we talk about Sailor Moon. <laughs> Every time. We have to never talk about Sailor Moon ever again. Well, I don't think that's possible, <laughs> given your to, strong feelings on we, the subject. We have to do our best. We have to do our best. But yeah, I think it's... I think that's, like, the fem sla- the lack of fem slash is probably symptomatic of the shows that we tend to watch. Yeah. Um, but in general, like, I really only have, like, the two major fem slash ships. But I also, like, I spend most of my time, like, gender-fucking people at this point, so... Don't we all? Yes. Next question is also from The Confessional. Okay. Okay, so when we did the um, RPF episode and we talked, I think it was like the hockey RPF episode specifically, we talked a lot about um, the levels of RPS. So like the thing with RPS is you're not, okay, some people feel weird about it because you are writing fiction about real people. But the thing is, you're not actually writing about real people. You're writing about the persona that someone puts on because they are famous. That is their like famous person persona. Right. The same way that the the Prue and MK that you get on this podcast are not the real Prue and MK. Like, we are a little bit different in real life. Yes. So, um, I believe 20-somethings analogy-wise, there are all kinds of orange drink. There's, like, orange juice. There's, like, orange juice from concentrate. There's, like, orange pop. And then there is orange drink. And her argument, yeah, was, like, RPF is orange drink. It's not orange juice. Interesting. Well, the what spawned this sort of discussion is we got a message in the confessional that was, um, 
I was the Anon asking about convictional portrayals of real people and having fangirl crushes on them back in March. I really can't believe that was only in March. Damn. It was helpful. And I want you all to know that you were all the reason that sometimes when I'm on Tumblr and see like freaking Kaner's face looking not dumb, I say to myself, orange drink. Yeah. Because you like Patrick Kane in fan fiction does not mean you like Patrick Kane in real life. And that is fine. Roll with it. <laughs> okay. Um, all right, the next one I'm going to tell you guys in advance is probably, like, the most controversial one that we got. It's pretty controversial. It is. So I'm going to, so we're going to read the whole thing. No truncating. Um, this came in a non-VR confessional. Confession. Gay marriage and about 50% of gay couples who have an open relationship are scaring the shit out of me. What I don't fear, dating slash marrying someone who requires multiple sexual partners. What I fear, redefining marriage, dating, changing the status quo, and all that jazz. Look, I'm an extremely romantic person or just someone inordinately fond of her preconceptions and holding on to them like a lifeline. Marriage and dating are for people who love each other, okay? And that means different things to different people, but to me, that means monogamy. I get that most animals are not actually monogamous. I get that each person loves differently. I get that open relationships allow both more trust and freedom. I get that feeling threatened by what other people do in the privacy of their bedroom is irrational and incredibly selfish. I get that I will have to acclimatize to the redefinition of marriage. But I was born in an old Asian family and raised on a baffling mismatch of Confucian and Buddhist values. But more importantly, most importantly, I think that recognizing that relationships are difficult and having sex with just one person can be frustrating and being committed to making it work is the stuff romance is made of. That's what makes love love romantic. I'm scared to death of novels and fan fiction and films and TV shows and manga and anime changing and experimenting with their perception of romance because God help us all if I don't get the chemical hit of the romantic subplot. Okay, I think that the thing here is, and I've seen this happening a lot on different media platforms, is she might be a little confused between gay marriage and polyamory. Yeah, well, yes and no. Like, I I see where she's coming from because, I don't know if you noticed this, but, like, with the advent of the Joma decisions and stuff, there's been a raft of sort of coverage about whether or not, like, I'm trying to think of, like, the two places that were writing about this that, like, live most vividly in my mind right now were the piece in Gawker, there was an Atlantic piece, and there was something in Slate about how a majority is what they said of gay couples are not actually monogamous in their relationships. Okay, but I would say look at the number of uh, like heteronormative but theoretically monogamous marriages that have fallen apart due to cheating. Like, what's yeah. the divorce rate in North America? North America, isn't it something like 51% or 49 something around the 50% mark? Yeah, I would say, like, at least half of my friends in school had their parents get separated or divorced. My parents are separated. Yeah. Um, and it was because of cheating. Like, a lot of the time it's because of cheating. So I don't think that changing the definition of marriage legally has any effect on that. All people cheat on each other. All people are going to sleep around. And if you can find someone who is as dedicated to monogamy as you and as honest about it and as dedicated to you, that's amazing and you should strive for that if that's what you want. But if you don't want it, there's no problem with that. And this is my personal opinion, but marriage is a legal thing. It's not about romance. It's about property. Wow, you really believe that? Absolutely. That's really sad. I don't see any reason to get married. I don't want to share my property with someone. Get your hands off my shit. I find that genuinely sad. Because, I mean, marriage, it was definitely a transactional thing, like, of property. Back, you know, in, like, the 900s when women were the property being transacted. I feel like 
having the agency to actually like attribute other things to marriage is very important to female advantage. Okay, whatever. That's like a whole feminist whatever <laughs> thing that I could get into. But um, I, I first of all, like I sort of understand like how this bubbling cauldron of concerns like came together just between the different sort of coverage and the media that's been happening. At the same time, it's good that you kind of recognize that this is, like, irrational. <laughs> because it's, like, I, I, you know, it, it's just not going to affect you at all. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's, like, a thing where it's, like, okay, I'm glad that you have that concern. But, like, you really don't need to be worried about it. Because, like, polyamory is not, like, a thing that's going to happen to you because it's happening to other people. Yeah, that's true. If you don't want to do polyamory, just don't do it. Don't marry a polyamorist. <laughs> just, you know, you can fight that. You don't need, you don't even need, like, a shot. Like that, you have natural immunosuppressants against polyamory. You are going to be fine. Um, and I feel like it's one of those things where, like, I feel like that discussion is so fraught because it's so personal. And any and any discussion of it is necessarily going to sound like you're passing judgment on somebody else's private life, which is like nobody wants people to pass judgment on your private life. Like, you shouldn't do it to other people. Yeah, I guess my main thing is always just stay out of other people's business. Yeah, although the interesting question I feel that is in this is whether or not that's going to change sort of like the nature of fandom. And I feel like it already is because the big thing in in fandom when I just got started, remember, like... Don't ask, don't tell. Not just don't ask, don't tell, but like Slash was like the big transgressive thing in fandom when we just got started. At this point, Slash is like so normative. I was going to say... Oh, sorry, Carry on. I'm sorry, but like that slash is so normative at this point. You like see the major transgressive movement as headed toward polyamory. Yeah, um, I was actually trolling Pin Popular's fandom page this morning, mm-hmm. um, and I saw a Teen Wolf bookmark that someone had made. And you know how like it always pulls up the first time that somebody bookmarked that, and it's like everyone else was bookmarking it, but here's the original bookmark. And the original bookmarker had written like, "This is a really good story. I liked it, uh, but it didn't handle." The issues of, it was a gender swap story, like, uh, I think a witch casts a spell and somebody wakes up a lady. Okay. And it's like, but, you know, it exists inside the magical land of Teen Wolf where, like, homophobia doesn't exist. And I was like, oh, this wrecker is actually concerned about that. Whereas for me, I'm like, oh, this story contains homophobia. I don't want to read that. That's bullshit. <laughs> like, for me, it's no longer an issue. And, I mean, it really wasn't an issue before. Like, I generally try to avoid stories that have that. But other people are like, that's not realistic. I need to have it in there. But I think as a, as a whole, fandom is like, but it's not an issue anymore. Or it's less of an issue. Or it, at least it's an issue we're no longer interested in exploring. Yeah, the same way that, like, we no longer really explore Don't, don't Ask, Don't Tell because it doesn't exist. I think getting rid of Don't Ask, Don't Tell got rid of a lot of homophobia stories in fandom. And mm-hmm. as, you know, gay rights and human rights progress in the real world, those issues drop off in fandom. I feel like it, it, it is an interesting way of looking at the way that, like, fandom reflects on <laughs> popular culture. Like, the other day, so I basically fell down, like, a really dark fucking Star Trek hole. Yeah, you did. Uh, I, so dark, so deep. And I ended up back on, like, the classic Trek archive. <laughs> Um, and it was such a bizarre experience. It's it felt really like it was, weird, right? I, was re- I felt like I was reading in a parallel universe because everyone who basically reads or got their start reading in Trek in New Trek fandom, which is definitely me, 
right? Like it's, I had no interest in Star Trek before the 2009 movie, um, basically comes away from that film and, well, maybe not the film, but from that fandom with a perception of sexuality in like that, in the contemporary culture of that film is being like incredibly fluid and nobody really gives a damn. And you like look at Chris Pine's portrayal of Jim Kirk and you marry it in fandom with an idea of a guy who kind of like his sexual orientation is like, sure, why not? You know? And like, and when we talk about him, like trying dumb stuff, we don't necessarily mean like him fucking like a stranger in the Castro. We mean him like boning a Klingon in some sort of trading port. And it's just like, it's so far beyond genders, you know, like there's us, there are actually like a ton of really interesting stories in Trek fandom that make like passing references to him, like fucking aliens. And he's like, I don't even know what this person really is. Like, let's figure out how to do this. Do you know what I mean? Hope we have Um, some compatible genitals. Well, I guess we might, let's figure it out. You know, let's workshop this shit. And then to go back, like not that many years in time, and find, like, every story having a requisite moment of, like, Jim Kirk being like, well, I prefer women. Or, like, I prefer, like, not fucking dudes. Or, like, I feel really strange about fucking a dude. It's yeah. just such a deeply odd thing to look at. To see him being conflicted in any way about just human gender yeah, is so, like, it's alien to me. Yeah, it's really odd. And I feel like that's... I mean, I mean, I maybe like in 10, 15 years when fandom looks back on the stories that are being produced now and they find people having any sort of conflict about polyamory, they're going to feel the same way. Yeah, I find it really interesting. Fan fiction kind of operates to me the way that science fiction used to operate. Yeah. Where the point was you would take contemporary issues and you would put them in the science fiction landscape so that it was easier for people to digest them because it wasn't looking at a battle between, say, Russia and America, you were looking at, like, this alien species versus Earth. Right. And it let people, like, better digest those issues, and then maybe they would have a better understanding of their contemporary issues in their real lives. And I'm like, when I look at fandom, you can see people digesting contemporary issues and coming out ahead. Uh, Yeah, and I think at at the heart, dear confessor, I... You know, like, whatever anxiety you feel is, like, completely valid because you're feeling it and it's real. But I think that you don't need to worry about, like, novels and fan fiction, films and television, anime and manga, like, losing the chemical hit of true love. Because... You're always going to have that. You're always going to have that in some form or another. And while I totally get that, like, in your head that you really only get that amazing sort of, like, rush, that fizz if you're looking at it from the sense of like one person loving another person to the exclusion of everything else, I'm pretty sure like, you know, writers, creators, artists, filmmakers, whatever, will find a way to like, cause we love that chemical rush. Yeah. However we can get it. Like we love falling in love. People love being in love. And I'm sure that they'll make it happen for you Absolutely. one way or the other. Plus, I mean, like, like I said, you know, no, like there's not going to be like a Gestapo wandering through here saying like everything has to be polyamorous now. Like I think that it'll just, increase acceptance of polyamory which is nice for polyamorous people and there'll still be plenty of stuff to go around for other people who aren't totally yeah all right let's move on um we got a complicated 
four-part form spring, except that part three never came through. And we checked the form spring. It just, like, doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. So we're really sorry, form spring anon. We're going to do our best to explain your question. Yes. Um, contrary to the trend, I was shipping Hanagram more and more as the season went on. I mean, and, for, and for people who don't know what that is, that is Hannibal Lecter, Will Graham from the NBC television show Hannibal. Yeah. I mean, I don't actually want them to end up together or to be happy because that would destroy the essence of their characters, but I like the way Hannibal wants to make a friend out of him through destroying him and attempting to rebuild him as a reflection of himself. Like, although there is no redeeming characteristic and he's a complete monster, but their relationship appeals to me in a very disturbing way. Then we're missing a piece, and then she talks about um, foes trying to destroy each other and how it's kind of troubling, but I'm assuming she kind of also likes it. Yeah, I mean, at the same, I feel like I totally understand what she's saying because I feel like a lot of people are really interested in this dynamic where, to give you guys some context who don't necessarily watch the show or, like, aren't really sure what she means, the the first season of Hannibal was 13 episodes. It basically set up this very, like, sort of deep connection between Will Graham, who works as, like, a profiler slash teacher for the FBI, and Hannibal Lecter, who is the shrink that, like, apparently occasionally consults with the FBI and is brought in to make sure that Will Graham is sane. Will Graham is probably not sane, and we thought that he was crazy at the beginning, and then you found out that he had encephalitis that Hannibal was just gonna let ride out because it was interesting. I don't know what encephalitis is. I saw some post about this on Tumblr and I was It's basically like an infection of your brain tissue. Oh, awesome. It drastically changes behavior and a lot of times people who have, because it's incredibly difficult to diagnose unless you do exactly the right kind of brain scan. Okay. Um, And it's never something that people do the right kind of brain scan for. It's just not something that happens a lot. But um, it's one of the things where a lot of people who have very, very severe mental illnesses that no one can treat actually have encephalitis. Is it's that like a, treatable? Yes and no. Like, to some extent, it's treatable. Okay. So- Anyways, but it, it causes, like, drastic changes in behavior, like, hallucinations. Like, it's just, it's really awful. And Hannibal knew this and just let it ride because he thought it was interesting to watch. Amazing. She's a monster. Um, I think that I... The thing that I sort of, like, I totally get what you're saying because it is a very interesting dynamic to watch. And Hannibal basically ends the season by framing Will as a serial killer. And then the last shot is the two of them looking at each other from, with a set of bars between them in very much an echo of the same moment um, from the opening of The Silence of the Lambs where Clarice Starling is looking at Hannibal Lecter for the first time through bars. Um, And then he says, it fucking rhymes. Sorry, that's the Tumblr meme. I... The end. Just a simple temple girl. How did I get fucking wrapped up in this bullshit with moon princesses? Um, Okay, so I think that what you're saying is that this dynamic is really interesting, and I feel like every single person who watches that show agrees. I don't know whether that counts as shipping, though, is what I was going to say. Oh, yeah, you might just be extremely interested in that relationship, which, like, I've had confusing feelings about, like, pairs or trios of characters on shows before, where it's like... It's almost like shipping them, but I don't think it is. No, that's how norms feel. It took me a while to figure it out. What do you mean? Like, when norms are just really interested in a show, but, like, maybe not necessarily fanish about it, but there's something about character interactions. Like, like there are people out there who are norms, who are fascinated by the way that Gibbs and Tony interact, but they don't ship them. That's how norms feel. What you're feeling (laughs) is how norms feel. Enjoy it because you're seeing the world from a totally different perspective. (laughs) 
Oh my God. I've never thought of it that way before. Right? Yeah. It's kind of amazing. Good Lord. But yeah, no, I wouldn't be worried about that, bro. Like the entire Hannibal Phantom is in that like weird crack boat with you doing fucked up shit and putting flower crowns on like dire stags. So you're fine. So our next question comes from Null Energy via Tumblr. Uh, Hello, I have a question regarding elementary. This is the second American interpretation of Sherlock Holmes that I know of, the first being House, and both of them decisively reject the not interested in sex and or romantic relationship as part of his character. What do you think is the reason for it? Is it related to the idea that if a man is not interested in sex, his masculinity is compromised? Is this a cultural thing that I, as a non-American, just don't get? Well... I take sort of issue to the last question that somehow, like, this is an American problem. <laughs> yeah, I do not think that's an American problem. I think that's all cultures have some difficulty with this. I feel like, generally speaking, Sherlock Holmes, as I understand him, is an asexual creature, at least in his current incarnation, whatever. And I think that for a lot of people, that's just really hard to get. You know, like, it's not even like, okay, you're not sexually attracted to, like, this thing that I'm sexually attracted to. But I can understand that, like, you're just not into that. You're into something else. You're just not into anything. How does that work? Probably a lot of the desire to actually pattern on a, a, a interest into romantic relationships comes from that point of view. Um, I don't actually know why Holmes bones people, like, in the elementary universe. Like, that entire show is just completely fine. <laughs> I have no thoughts on it. Like... I'll put it like I'll put it on the background if I'm like cleaning my apartment but I like I honestly have never had a complex thought about that show I have a lot of feelings about that show I love it a lot but I think it's yeah similar to what you said I think people large swaths of people do not understand asexuality or that there can be a separation between sexual feelings and romantic feelings yeah and to me the way that Sherlock in elementary exists is he can enjoy sexual contact with people and it is completely non-romantic. To him, that is an exercise, the way that some people go running. Yeah. And the way he describes it on the show, that seems to be pretty accurate to me. Um, yeah. Whereas the love that he feels for Irene Adler is not necessarily romantic, but it is a fascination. So he could be aromantic, but not asexual. And again, that's something that people get really confused by. I felt like he was romantically attracted to Irene, though. At least that's the way they seem to be playing it. I don't know. I thought that he looked at her as, like, an obsession. I think it started that way. Okay. I read it as obsession the whole time, but we know that I'm kind of fucked up. Eh, whatever. I hated that season finale. I know um, you did. I was the only person, apparently, who hated that season finale. I know. Um now we're going to get more hate mail. I don't even care, because I don't understand how any single person who, like, from the beginning of that show's run, where he was like, Irene is dead, didn't immediately yell at their television, no, she's not, she's totally Moriarty. Oh, yeah, no, I totally yelled that at my TV in the first episode. But that doesn't mean I didn't enjoy it. It was dumb, and I hated it. Um, And I don't know why I hate it as much as I do. It's, It's actually, like, an irrational hatred. Like, just talking about it makes me furious. And I don't know why. <laughs> the way you react to it is almost like, you know when you do something really stupid as a kid and your parents aren't like, we're mad at you, they're like, we're disappointed? Yeah. It's like elementary disappointed you as a parent. I'm really annoyed by it. Do you know what I mean? Like, I was like, it, I called it from episode one and you actually went through it. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, we should move on. Oh, but my other thought on the same question was um, why he was sexualized in House. I think because House is an alternate universe version of Sherlock Holmes 
And there's no, I, I mean, like you pick the frame. It's like one of those things in fan where you pick up like the framework of the idea that you like and you drop it onto altered characters, right? Yeah. And that's probably the reason House actually boned people. But I don't know about elementary homes. So who knows? And I feel like there have been so many different interpretations of homes, like, but very few of them necessarily. And correct me if I'm wrong. I just don't know much about the film canon of the series, but like probably fewer of them focused on the domestic life of Sherlock Holmes. Yeah, that doesn't come up that often. Yeah. So, I mean, it came up in house because I feel like alternate universe also ran for like eight seasons, nine seasons, way too long. Um, It comes up in elementary because the domestic life of Sherlock Holmes is actually the most charming part of that show and the reason to watch it. Uh, Yeah. And it, and it comes up in BBC Sherlock because they made a very conscientious decision to adhere to the asexuality of Holmes. Yeah. I think definitely the way to look at it is the way that, um, you know, like, Murder, She Wrote is actually the American version of Miss Marple. Like, okay. there are huge things that are changed. It's basically fan fiction. It's loosely patterned on Sherlock Holmes, and yeah, those characters are named Sherlock Holmes. And people, Holmes. you know, people write fan fiction because they want more smut, so. Yeah, so it's not canon. Just roll it makes it. sense. It's a different canon. <laughs> All right, next question. Is this one me? Yeah. Okay. Um, from Reader963, do you have any thoughts on whether fan fiction is lazy reading or a genre to itself? I've never found romance novels which embrace the outsider or social issues the way fan fiction does. And I think fan fiction is often better at character development and humor. But on the other hand, knowing what you're getting when you start reading is the definition of lazy reading, plus insider jokes. I've never, ever been acquainted with the concept of lazy reading before. Me either. This is baffling to me. Like, what is lazy re- I guess, like, maybe... Okay. No, no, no. Wait. Maybe what this is in reference to is the way that, like, I used to get forced to read classic novels because they were important and they were, they were quote quote unquote hard books to read. But I feel like that, I feel like that's a major problem in life in general, that when we put a value judgment on what people enjoy. Yeah, no, I agree. We've talked about this before and I think I've given this example before, but I'm going to give it again, which is a friend of mine in high school was doing really badly in English class and she hated reading. She was getting like a 60 or a 50 or something in OAC English. And I was like, I've got the solution. We're going to the bookstore. I'm going to get you some trashy fucking romance novels and you're going to love them. And she read them and her grade went up to like an 80. Yeah. And I feel like the part, so much of the problem with like, I was actually at like a conference with a bunch of children's librarians, like not long ago. And we were having these huge long discussions about how, like, I'm so grateful for certain genres of fiction that are quote unquote lazy slash unacceptable because they're what sheltered my love of reading while I was in school. Like for almost, I would say eight years of professional school, like my school life, I hated reading, but I hated reading books because they were being assigned to me in school. So I would have like a reading list of like a fuck ton of novels that I hated and didn't want to read and were inaccessible and shitty and dumb and had nothing to do with my life. And like, I didn't enjoy reading them. And I would come home and be like, thank God, after I finished this stupid book, I can go read this X-Files fanfic. And it didn't connect in my head that it was still cultivating a love of reading, but it was a different, it was a slightly different type. Um, I don't think, obviously, what this means is, like, we don't think fan fiction is lazy reading. I think it's a genre unto itself. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, all reading is good reading. If you're reading, the more you read, the more you're going to be able to recognize where problems are and where the strengths are and your taste is going to develop and you're going to start finding better things and things that you enjoy. The same way that like Prue and I still read things that were like, this is objectively terrible, but we're really enjoying it. There's still value in that. Yeah, definitely. I feel like the part, and I feel like there's a, going back to my whole thing about like being forced to read stuff that you don't like because they're quote unquote like important books. The actual tragedy of those, those things is like maybe an older, wiser version of me would have really enjoyed reading like a lot of the books that I had shoved down my throat when I was 14, but it's too late now because yeah. if I go back to that, all I will remember is the first time I read this book and I hated it. And a lot of the time I pick something up and I'm like, oh, maybe I'll enjoy this. And then I get like five pages in and I'm like, no, because this is something that would be assigned in a school. Yeah. Exactly. I don't know. If I had only read things that had been assigned in school, I would probably be functionally illiterate right now. I feel like I wouldn't necessarily be functionally illiterate, but I feel like I wouldn't read. I wouldn't read, like, at all or ever. Yeah, like, for... I feel like... So, in the middle of high school, there were, like, three years I wasn't in fandom at all. I just, like, completely fell out of fandom. And I look back on that time, and I was like, I didn't read any books. Like, basically, I read books for school, and I didn't read anything else. I watched a lot of TV, and I painted, because I hated reading during those three years. I always read a lot, but we had, like, just mountains and mountains of bookshelves in my house as a kid and, like, filled with things that, like, I was going to find something to read. Um, yeah, I just, I, I couldn't, like, just picking up a book at that point had a visceral connection with, like, being pissed off. <laughs> uh, see, whereas I read loads at home, but I got sent home with a note once that was like, your daughter is illiterate and you need to do something about it. And my parents sent me off to be tested for this shit because they were like, that's a problem. Like, she cannot be illiterate. And it turned out that I was like, fuck, no, I'm not reading the bullshit you assigned me in school. Yeah. I'm going to go read something that's good. Yeah. I mean, and it's terrible because a lot of stuff that we got assigned in school is good. But like, why are you like... If you're not going to enjoy it, what's the point? You're not going to enjoy it. It's being taught in a way that, like, people don't like. And, like, I, like seriously, I don't want to read this book. And I'm, like, that person who reads, like, Milan Kundera, like, by choice. And I have feelings on different translations of the Odyssey. Um, I'm not, like, I don't shirk from difficult reading. I just can't. The way that it's done in school is not the way that it should be done. Yeah, my best friend almost never read. The only thing that she would read is the dictionary. She really enjoyed learning new words from the dictionary, but never read books. Yeah. Um, until I got her hooked on Harry Potter. And then she was like, well, I'm fucked now. Yeah. And that's fine. Totally. Um, so yeah, I don't think it's lazy reading. I don't think that there's like... Such a thing as lazy I feel reading. like even if there is such a thing as lazy reading, who cares? You're enjoying yourself. You're reading. Any form of reading is good. Yeah, the end. Um, next one from Tribby. Did we see the press release for Kindle Words? Um, I wonder if they will ban cross-posting, blah, blah. Um, there actually, a, there's actually more details about it now, because this question's quite old, um, about how Kindle Words works. I think that I'm deeply uncomfortable with any sort of established entity trying to corporatize fan fiction. Yeah. For a couple of reasons. Number one, I feel that they're going to want it done on their terms. And the whole point of fan fiction is that we can write it on ours. And number two is that you don't get to, I mean, the whole concept of ownership is kind of very tenuous, like in fandom period, but you're essentially creating free content for them that they're going to profit off of a huge margin compared to what you would be getting. 
but even more than that, like more than anything, like what it like, okay. If there are maybe like six fandoms that are signed up to participate in the Kindle words program and granted, none of them are fandoms that I particularly am fond of, but even if I was like, they would have to be vetted for content. They have to stay on brand. Pardon? They have to stay on brand essentially. They have to stay on brand. You can't like, they can't be NC-17. Like there's a lot of limitations. So a lot of the interesting things that make fan fiction interesting and very avant-garde and cutting edge in terms of storytelling, like you can't do. And why would you? Like if that's, if they're going to limit you, the point of fan fiction is to be without limits. So don't bother. Yeah. And the other thing is like, and this is just like from a consumer standpoint, like I'm never going to read any of those stories. Like, anything that gets, like, brand sign-off from the showrunners or, like, whatever the studio that is owns the Vampire Diaries sounds awful to me. Um, And I don't want to pay money for it. Like, why would I? Because if I want fanfic, I can go read fanfic. If I want, like, a tie-in novel, I would rather have a tie-in novel written by, like, a professional who is actually pretty good at what they do. Like Martha Wells. Yeah, instead of, like, and Martha Wells is, like, really good, like, Stargate tie-in novels. Versus, like, reading shitty water... Like, I, that's mean to say it's shitty. But versus reading watered-down stuff written by fanfic artists who thought it would be a good idea to, like, cram their ideas within... Do you know what I mean? Like, within the rubric. into this vibes. Yeah. Yeah. No. Um, I think we're pretty firmly against it. You can read a lot about it online. There's loads of details. But it looks like a fucking shit show. I'm, like, 100% against paying for fan-created stuff, period. So, like, yes, artist. This goes into I don't like paying for fan art also. Like, it's always been one of those, like, massive sort of logical breaks for me. Like, why? It's verboten. It's like, if you try to sell a fanfic, you're basically the devil. But people can commission fan art all the time, and somehow that's okay. I don't understand why that makes sense. But somehow, like, those are the rules of fandom. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't think people should pay for it. Like it's a gift economy. The only way that it works is that it's a gift economy. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I have complicated feelings about it, but I think we could talk about that for like four hours and not ever finish. Yeah. And also it would be boring. (laughs) Yeah. You guys would hate us. Yes. So let's move on to our next question, which is from Hypertwink. I have never been witness to the life and quick death of love for a show like what happened in Vikings. I'm sad because I was loving that show until the last few episodes. Anyway, this leads to my questions. One, your opinion on the show and what happened. And two, did something like this happen to you? What fandom and why? Well, number one, our opinion on that is MK doesn't have an opinion because she doesn't like that show. I made it five minutes in and I was like, I hate this. And my opinion is I don't really care that much because I, that show is not good. But if you want like the official slash report opinion, you should check out the slash report Vikings episode because <laughs> whether or not you like that show, it is one of the funniest hours of listening you will ever have. It's pretty freaking great. I highly recommend it. It's just listening to people lose their minds in real time and audio. <laughs> yeah. And like, seriously, I failed out of five minutes into the show. That Vikings episode is solid. It's hilarious. You should check it out. Um, did something like this happen to you? What fandom and why? Oh, I feel like it must have. It absolutely did. God, what what shows have I failed out of so fast? But like ones that I was really excited about in the beginning. Yeah. Uh, uh, I need to look at like, there must be a thing for this. I know. I bet I have like old live journal posts that have tags or something. I'm going to go to my tags. Hold on. All right. 
I was really excited about the 4400, and that went to shit real fast. What was the 4400? It actually had a pretty cool premise, which was that um, 4,400 people are like, they've just disappeared over time, right? Like, you know how people go missing? Yeah. Except that all 4,400 of them, without aging, reappear in one spot at one time. Wow. Right? So it would be like someone who disappeared in the 60s reappears with like someone who disappeared last week, but like none of them have aged and none of them know what happened. Interesting. Yeah. And like the US government is like, okay, we don't know what the fuck's going on, but we have to deal with it. So the premise was amazing. And then it went to shit. (laughs) It got really weird. All right. You know, I honestly can't think of one like that. Um, Just looking. I might have others. Buff. I was pretty excited about the series Chuck, which I know a lot of people like. Right. But not, like, super excited the way people were about Vikings. I don't, I, uh, you know what? I don't have anything. I feel odd now that I don't have anything. What about Criminal Minds? No, see, the thing is, I had no fanish interest in that. Really? None? No. Interesting. What would you want out of Criminal Minds fandom? I don't know. I, I almost said something NCIS-like, but I mean the opposite of that. Yeah, there's nothing There's nothing really I would have wanted out of the fandom. I enjoyed the show for a while. Uh, I think maybe the closest I came to, like, loving something and then flaming out, but this is not even at all the same time span, is Smallville, where, like, I watched for two seasons and then flamed the fuck out, and that's, like, the fastest flame out I've ever had, and I wrote, like, a ton of fanfic for that, too. <laughs> so, I don't know. I got nothing. You got nothing. You're weird. I know. Maybe it just means that I'm, like, determined to SLO through, like, everything, even if it's awful. Well, you do have, like, a strong, like, God, I was reading something this morning, guys, that was terrible, and I made it 75% through before I was like, even though this is terrible, the thing that's going to make me fail out is the love story was not good. And then it just hit, like, the romantic peak, and I was like, "Mm mm-mm, failing out. And she made fun of me so hard and called me a wuss. You're a quitter, man. Terrible. Oh, you know what? What? You, You must have watched this. Do you remember watching the first episode of Noir? No. Have you ever seen Noir? No. Oh my god. Okay, you're gonna, we're gonna watch that someday, because I own the box set, because I'm an idiot. Um, <laughs> this is like a good selling point. It is. Noir was this amazing looking anime that came out of Japan in like the early 2000s. Okay. Um, which is basically about, there's an assassin living in like France. She's this like nice lady, lives alone in a nice apartment. Um, and she gets called out on a hit and she winds up encountering this like schoolgirl who has complete amnesia, woke up in a house that's filled with like stuff about her life, but no parents, like no one else around. And all she knows is she's an assassin and she has to prove herself. Um, and basically the climax of the first episode is you're like, yeah, whatever. Sure. That girl's an assassin. She has the most beautifully choreographed fight scene I've ever seen. I'm going to find it on YouTube and I'm going to link to it on the slash report page. So everyone can see this and be like, holy shit balls. Cool. Beautiful fight scene choreographed with like amazing classical music that culminates in her doing a backflip over the beam in a building and strangling a dude with his own tie. Cool. Okay? And she's totally calm about the whole thing. And everyone who watched this, like, their minds were blown. They were like, this is the best show ever. It's going to be so amazing. And then very quickly, it got weird and crazy and terrible. But that first episode was A++. (laughs) The same way that, I guess, the reader die, if you've ever seen the reader die, the three-episode OVA. No. Oh, my God. Okay. 
that is, it's um, a world in which certain people have superpowers, and the main character works for, like, a British spy agency. Okay. Um, and her superpower is that she can control paper in any way that she wants. And she's obsessed with reading. All she does is read. She, like, lives in an apartment that is just, like, filled with books. She, like, wakes up and crawls out of a pile of books. Um, <laughs> but she has to do, like, missions for the government, and she'll carry around, like, a suitcase just full of paper... And she'll, like, fling it out and make a giant paper airplane and, like, fly to the Statue of Liberty in order to have a fight inside of it. Okay. It's beautiful. Like, three episodes of just, like, a solid plot about cloning and, like, crazy shit happening. And she and this other lady, who I femslash, um, have an amazing partnership where they defeat the, the evil people. They then made a 24-episode TV series of it. Right. In which that girl does not appear until, like, the 20th episode, and the whole thing is garbage. <laughs> but the OVA is stunning, and I highly recommend it. Alrighty, then. Yeah. Those are my examples. Yeah, okay. I was trying to think of, like, was there... Because now that you mentioned animes, I'm thinking, like, there's gotta be, like, some anime that, like, did this shit to me. And the closest that I can think of is probably Ava... <laughs> but you like, can never hate Ava. I mean, like, but I feel that way about the fandom, right? Like, where I burned through Ava, like, so quickly, and that entire thing was, like, a mind fucking half. And then, like, I tried to read the fanfic, and it was just, like, instant death. No, you can and never I, read it. tried to, like, do you remember the movie? And you know exactly what scene in the movie I'm talking about. Like, very early on in, like, one of the Ava movies, that scene with Shinji by Asuka's bed. Yes. And I was just like, oh my god, it's an what? Yay. It was just like within five minutes, I had gone from like, yay, Ava movie, to like, no! The best is picturing, like, I know exactly what your face did in that moment. <laughs> because it's what everyone's face Everybody's face was like, oh my god! Like, why would you do this? And guys, we're talking about this, the, like, pivotal anime series, Neon Genesis Evangelion, which, like, if you haven't seen... I don't know if I should recommend you watch it, except that you should totally watch it, because it's a yeah. mind fuck. Agreed, agreed. And I also feel like you have to watch it just so that you can, like, share the collective psychic pain. Yeah, <laughs> like, you can just show up at any convention and be like, does anyone want to talk about Ava? And everyone would be like, holy shit balls! Yes, exactly. Oh, that series. Jesus Christ, right? Yeah, there's, like... It's been over a decade, and I'm still freaking out. I'm still not over it. And I'll the greatest part is it. that, like, if you look at just, like, the sort of OAV art of that show, like, you think it's going to be a completely different thing. You think it's going to be, like, a cheerful high school, like, manga with, like, giant mecha, hot, like, older chicks with, like, pet penguins. And, like, once you actually start watching that fucking show, it's all, like, weird soulless doll incest and like masturbating it on on unconscious people and you're just like what's happening the best part is it is like every time you rewatch it you understand something else a little better and you're like oh god it's worse than i thought i regret this i regret this decision immediately i regret it every time and yet like every two years or something you're gonna run into someone who's like you know what we should do we should have an ava Ava marathon yes (laughs) fuck that show every fucking time horrible show and i'm prob and i'm probably going up to canada at some point this summer which means that we will do that yeah well we'll watch something there's just like a series of bad decisions are gonna happen yeah like we're i i regret this already we'll balance it out with a fangirl meetup probably yes just all the bad decisions 
Yeah, that was a lot more information than you wanted to know. Sorry, Hyper Twink. (laughs) In short, we've watched a lot of terrible things. Yes, that is the truth. Um, We also got, I'm just going to, because we're not going to read this, I'm just going to comment on it. We got a really long confessional from someone who uh, was, I guess, nostalgic after hearing about the way that I had to get rid of my old printed fan fiction at my mom's house. Um, and she sent us a really long and, like, amazing story about how she got rid of hers. But in summary, she burned it one page at a time in a bonfire in her backyard. I like to think of it as sort of, like, as a religious ritual, really. Me too. It's like when you put a body on a pyre and then Xena sings, like, a beautiful song over it. <laughs> I think that's what it's like. Yes. That's exactly what happened. Good. Um... Tumblr Anon, what are your thoughts on the newest show MTV is going to be making? What do you think? Do you think Scream the movie is a good source for a TV show? Any thoughts on this? I hate horror movies, like all horror movies, all of them ever. I can't watch them. I get nightmares really easily. Like I've had nightmares from commercials for horror movies. Good job. Um, um, I had nightmares recently because I saw a commercial for The Purge. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and it, like, I'll be trying to fall asleep and I'll have nightmares that, like, people in weird masks are trying to break into my apartment. So I hate it. I don't care. I never want to hear about it again. The end. I think that as a sort of, I mean, it depends on how it's done. As with so many of these things, I sort of see why they picked Scream. It's like, it's like the first kind of modern, like, teen slasher flick. And... It was really scary and very seminal, and there were elements of it that were, like, sort of ironically self-aware and that were really funny. So I think that if they do it well, it could be interesting, but the whole point of a... I feel like the whole premise of a horror movie really works best when you have, like, a contained short hit of it. Like, so you can build up the horror as much as you can, and then you have the screamy killing part. The problem comes with, like, if you want to make this a television show, I don't really know if that format works. You could do something that's, like, very classic Japanese horror where you have a long, drawn-out sense of dread. But that is not necessarily something that I feel like people want to, like, check in and tune in for, like, a weekly basis to watch. Like, that's that's hard to sustain. That might be Um, one of those things where, like, the TV model has to change. Like, maybe it would work better if it were direct to Netflix, like, a whole season uploaded at once. Yeah, and then you could just, like, burn through that and just never sleep for a month. Right, but I think this, like, scheduled viewing is not going to work out well for that format. I don't know, we'll see. I mean, like, when someone told me that they were making Teen Wolf, I was like, well, who's going to be fucking stupid enough to watch that? And, like, clearly everyone, so... Everyone. You know, my friend Paul, who, I mean, Prue knows, because they've met, uh, Paul has decided to start watching Teen Wolf. It's like Paul enjoys being punched in the face or something. A little bit, yeah. Let's go into the next question. (laughs) <laughs> poor paul he's a nice guy sorry paul we love you we love you paul tumblr anon i agree with prue's interest in never requited love thank you tumblr anon i love fix like that but people almost never write that trope any rex also not sure if it's a trope but i like imperfect relationships like when they don't get together or they have insurmountable issues i don't even know why i just want them to hurt i don't know why necessarily like this anon likes it i like it because it happens in real life you know like it really does happen in real life, but like there's, it, it doesn't always work out. Like a lot of stuff just doesn't work out. And I feel like reading those things makes me feel less lonely when those things happen to me. Like when I read a story and there's an insurmountable problem and like it, a relationship just doesn't work out, 
but generally speaking, the way that stories end is not like on that ultimately bleak note, right? It's like, okay, so this didn't happen, but like, there's always hope in the future or whatever. It just makes me feel like it's not just me who is having this issue. Like it happens to other people. Um, and it also like stops perpetuating the lie that like true love is around the corner for everybody. Do you know what I mean? Uh, and yeah, people almost never write that trope. And I, you know, I don't mind that much, mostly because I don't think most people write it very well when they try. Um, in terms of recommendations for imperfect relationships and stuff like that, there is a wreck that, let me pull this up. A story that I read recently, and I apologize if you're not in Supernatural fandom, but if you want to get that sort of the emotional hit while we were talking about, this works really well. It's a story by Cheese With My, and it's called Cut It Out and Then Restart. Um... And I'm just going to read you the wreck that I made on Pinboard, which is, this is not a nice story, actually. I have an attraction for that is by no means any form of healthy fondness for stories that examine thwarted love in a realistic way. We've all felt it, and yet so few writers have the courage or verbal dexterity to render it in any convincing way. Too easily, these stories seem to telegraph that the ending is going to be happy, and so rarely do they actually indicate how it feels to be carrying around the open wound. Um, this story is really fucking painful. I read this lying on my bed, exhausted from travel, and I had to stop three times and just stare at my ceiling for a while because it felt like someone was twisting a knife in my stomach for parts of this. The tension is so high and horrible. Every inhale felt like a throb. This is so, so fucking hard to read and so, so fucking worth it. This does have a happy ending, but take this as another warning and a strong recommendation too. It feels like the anodyne beginning, the bliss and the absence of pain and not necessarily happiness itself. Um, it's a Dean Castiel story and it's after Cass's fall, but it's so good. I hate you. I hate everything it's, about that. It's really like, it's a really fucked up kind of like dark story and it's really good though. Amazing. Yeah. I'm a robot who only likes fairy tale happy ending romances, so I'm gonna go on. Yeah, you only like it when it's like the first time that they get together too. So Yeah. 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 We all have our things, man. It's true. So our next question is from Polar Stern. Just finished listening to the new tropes episode and was wondering what's your opinion of character slash reader fic? I don't usually mind self-insert fic unless there's an overabundance of it for the size of the fandom. Why Walking Dead fandom? Why? But I absolutely cannot stand character slash reader fic. I suppose this is in part because of how much I hate second person point of view, but also because it seems like a pointless exercise. In published fiction, stories like this tend to be choose your own way which at least helps the reader feel immersed in the story. Bracket, I still hate it. But in fandom, it's always just plain narrative self-insert where the reader has been shoehorned in as the protagonist of somebody else's fantasy, and it just doesn't work. And in the worst cases, you end up feeling like you're reading a Harlequin novel version of Dora the Explorer. I have never run into one of these stories before. I have. So for anyone who doesn't know what she's talking about, it's a story in which it's written usually in second person, and the story is... The character in the story falls in love with you as you read the story. Um, I also hate them, but I've always hated Choose Your Own Adventure as well, and I just despise second person with, like, the fire of a thousand suns. Just how does it even work, though? Like, you can't have a plot. It has to be just, like, a short thing, right? It's a little bit like, uh, you know those date CDs in Japan? No, because I have friends and I go outside. <laughs> I heard about this from a friend. Sure you did. Sure <laughs> did. <laughs> sounds awful. Um, basically, Japan has these CDs where, like, there's only one voice actor, and you buy it, and it'll be, like, a character from someone, from something, going on a date with you. 
and there are just like silences where it's almost like you are asking a question but they'll respond to like a question you didn't ask and some of them are like three hours long that is the saddest fucking thing i've ever heard you have to remember japan is also the country that invented like body pillows with people on them right yes but that still goes along with my whole saddest fucking thing i've ever heard comment yeah so i assume that like my interpretation is these stories are the written equivalent of japanese date cds Wow. Yeah, so it's a thing that people like, but, like, I don't understand it at all. I can't, like, I, um, yeah. I mean, as a sort of, like, intellectual exercise of how you make a story like that good, I'm intrigued, but I, it's not something that I would voluntarily read, I don't think. Yeah, well, I wouldn't read it, but, I mean, you and I have different tastes than a lot of people, so. That's true. Interesting. Very interesting. All right. Um, all right, next one is an Anon from Formspring. When I was a wee fangirl, barely crawling out of the bowels of Inuyasha fanfic, you can't see it, but I just threw up a brotherly fist for you, I somehow stumbled on a hamburger helper glove slash Arby's oven mitt slash fic. There was stroking? Eight years later, if I could find it, I would read it again. I think we've all read some terrible shit in the past, and part of me is like, I want to find that again. The rest of me is like, no, that is a bad way to go. (laughs) I don't Nah, I don't know if I would, like, want something of that tier of bad, but there have definitely been stories where I was like, that was not good. I really wish I knew where it was. (laughs) That's often like that you can't sleep and it's 2 a.m. and you're like, you know what I wish I could find right now? (laughs) Don't do it. Yeah. Yeah. I have a lot. Oh, man. Like, okay, this is not a bad fic, per se. But, like, I, so... When I got my new Kindle, I got a Kindle Paperwhite, which I highly recommend to people. They are Um, so good. They're so great. I love that thing. And when I was, like, putting stuff on it, like, in addition to, like, my books and whatever, I ended up putting, like, a bunch of old Moby, like, fanfic files on there. And I started thinking, like, because it also accepts text files, like, and RTF files and stuff. And I was like, man, you know what would be hilarious if I put some of, like, the old X-Files, like, massive case fix on there? (laughs) It took me down some dark goddamn paths, MK. Yeah, no, I I know. I went back and tried to find a bunch of, like, old Ranma, Inyasha, and Sailor Moon fic once, and I have made a rule for myself that I'm never allowed to do that again. You know what I'm really curious about? And, like, once we get off this podcast, we can check. Whether or not you read my old Ranma fanfic. Oh my god, yeah, I'm so curious. You know what? Like, we've never actually discussed this before, but I really wonder if you ever did. Because I read a lot of Ranma and Inuyasha. That, those were the first comic books I ever bought. I read a lot of Inuyasha, and I also read a lot of Ranma. I read a lot of terrible Ranma. Like, I read, like, Ranma romance and epics or whatever, but I also read a lot of, like, it was just 30k of smut. I did not read a lot of that, but I definitely remember... The minute I start talking about this, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. There was a very, very famous story in Rama One Half Fandom, which was literally just Rama fucking his way through every female character. Oh my god, yes, I definitely read that. Definitely that, and the one scene that, like, I remember the most is because I was pretty young, and it was the first time I'd ever heard anyone describe breasts as pillowy. Yeah. And just, like, walks up behind Kasumi in the kitchen and starts banging her. Yeah. Yeah, I know that story. Yeah. Can I say one of the, like, weirdest and greatest things about the internet is, okay, so you and I have been, like, fanish for over a decade now, right? Like, we're, we're getting a little old, whatever. Actually, we're close to two decades, bro. Shit, we are. You're way closer to two decades than one. Oh my god, okay, so we've been doing this for a while. Yeah. Um, 
I was on AO3 the other day, and I was, like, checking my own stats, whatever, and I saw the username of someone that I followed obsessively in Ranma One Half fandom who was reading my stuff. No fucking shit! Right? And I was like, oh my god, you still have- and it's, like, a very unique username. I was like, I know who you are! See, now I want to go to Archive of Our Own and find, like, what Ranma fanfics are there. No, it wasn't even- they're reading my Teen Wolf stuff. No, I know, but now I want to see, like, what Rama, what half-thick there is. Oh, yeah, because now you're like, what if it's, what if it's, but you know what, here's the thing. Rama fic has not aged well. No, and they're only, apparently they're only 135. That's for the best. Um, wait, no, there have to be more than that. I refuse. You refuse! Well, they're probably still on the fucking, you remember that old weird Rama archive? Uh, the penultimate Rama one half fan fiction archive? Yes, I do. Yes, they're probably all still there if that still exists. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. a separate Ranma archive just for smut that has definitely shut down. I still remember, there were like, but Ranma, we have to do a Ranma episode. Yeah. Because I feel like that is such a transformative fandom for a lot of people. It was, you know what, Ranma, oh, we can't talk about it now because I have too many feelings. Me too. Same here. What, you know what we'll do? When I'm in Toronto, Ron we will episode. watch the OAVs. Yep. And then we will do a Ranma episode after we have Japanese food, because they always make me hungry. Excellent. Yeah, that's happening. No, we have to do it, because I feel like a lot of our points of views on gender and sexuality comes from Ranma and half food. Prue, Prue, I can make us okonomiyaki. Good. Done. Set. <laughs> Excellent. That is the plan. You guys are yeah. jealous. You should be. It's going to be great. It's going to be so great. I'll cook you, I'll cook you ramen. Yes. Okay. Let's, okay. We're gonna move on. This also sort of like answers the next question that we got from Form Spring from Anon, wondering if we were gonna do more about anime. And yes, yeah, we are. <laughs> we will, and we'll do old school as well as some of the newer stuff. And it will, we'll, you know what? We'll do like an all, an all points like anime fandom because I feel like it's very deceptive if you just listen to the stuff that we talk about on the podcast. Because you and I actually, and between you, me, and Hoyden, we read, watch, and listen, have like experienced the whole spectrum. Yeah, in totally. Terms of anime and manga. We've like, watched pretty much every genre. Yeah, like we've we've done our we've done our time in shoujo. We've done our time in shonen. Like we've done horror. We've done all sorts of stuff. Like we'll do we'll do a good rundown. My mom accidentally, like when anime was new and you couldn't tell based on the box what was what, yes. she knew that I liked it. She bought me this VHS tape that was like a horror porn anime. Yes. And there was a lot of like demon fucking followed by like a series of murders. Yeah, so there there is a reason to be kind of scared of it. So. Yeah, you need to get some solid recommendations, guys. Yeah. Be we'll, careful. We'll, we'll guide you. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so Jemmy999 had a question. Yes. All of the Veronica Mars talk has made me nostalgic for older media and fandoms. Can you guys do a Splash Report episode that talks about the older shows or movies that inspired you that maybe other people have missed? Or just spend a couple hours talking about Veronica Mars? I'm fine either way. I never got into Veronica (laughs) Mars, so unfortunately, I can't do that one. I tried it, and everyone says that I would love Veronica Mars. I hate it. It's like everyone says that I would love Firefly, and I hate it. That's fair enough. You know what? It took me a while to get into Firefly. It's just, it's baffling because it has, like Veronica Mars for you and Firefly for me, they have all the pieces of shows that like we should like and for some reason it just doesn't resonate. That's exactly it. I'm like, you know, when people describe Veronica Mars to me, I'm like, that sounds amazing. And then I try it and I'm like, I hate everything. Hilariously, I love fanfic based on the Veronica Mars premise. So there are like two stories. Um, There's like a social network fanfic based on Veronica Mars, like, 
And there's a Dean Castiel story that I feel has been abandoned or removed at this point based on Veronica Mars. And they're both great. And I loved both of them. Someone was doing a Teen Wolf one based, like, it's like, you know, the sheriff is a private detective now and Styles helps him solve cases. And I was like... Which is great! Like, that sounds like a cool premise. And for some reason, like, the show just didn't land with me. Yeah, does nothing for me. Yeah. Um, But I think we can just briefly say a bunch of... Because I don't know if we're going to do a retro... Are we going to do an episode on that? I don't think it's going to be a strict retro episode because I feel like trying to categorize all older fandoms as, like, retro is sort of odd. But there are... There's one episode we are definitely planning on doing, um, and I'm calling it Pre-Code Fandom. So as we've had a lot of discussions about this, and if you guys um, are curious to know, our general feeling is that Deuce House is the first modern slash fandom. Yeah. So if you go back all the way as far as Deuce South to read those stories, they may have aged a little poorly because of certain writing conventions we no longer use or certain writing conventions that were overused back then, whatever. But they're still recognizable. The relationship dynamics are recognizable. The tropes and the arcs and, like, the major conflicts are recognizable, and they're enjoyable still. If you go prior to Do South, that is, like, the land of slash fan fiction that is, like, all headed for the archives. Like, none of that stuff is relatable anymore. That's that original Trek, you know, everything, where you look at it and you're like, I can feel the Angel Fire logo. Yeah, like, or Man from Uncle or Sentinel, like, all of those early fandoms. Sentinel that, actually aired around the same time as Duso. And yet somehow. Somehow has aged really poorly. Very, very poorly. And I feel like at some point we had always discussed talking about that sort of dichotomy, like, what actually happened. Like, what are the major characteristics of, like, modern slash fandoms versus, like, pre-code yeah. slash fandoms or pre South slash fandoms. And you know what? Um, even if we're not talking slash fandoms, I think a lot of, like, you and I had most of our original fandoms were in anime and manga. Yes. So that's going to cover a lot of it. But I would also say Lois and Clark. Yeah, there are a lot of, fan, like, a lot of fandoms. And the way that fandoms interacted were all very different. And I think that's, like, it's an interesting progression to talk about. Um, in terms of actual, like, individual fandoms that are older, we do have a couple of, like, quote-unquote nostalgia fandoms on the slate. I don't know if they're that old, though. Like, we're definitely doing one for Stargate Atlantis. Yeah. Which, like, is so recent and yet feels old to me. Is it really so recent, though? It was, like, 2004, so... It's 2013, MK. Shit! Yeah, it's been almost 10 years, bro. You know what? That's like someone the other day asked me how long I had worked where I work now. And I was like, oh, I don't know, since like 2009. And I was like, shit, that's five years. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's been a while. I just didn't notice. I was busy. I had other stuff to do. Yeah. 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 All right. Um, We also had an anonymous uh, or an anon via, is this Tumblr? Yeah. Okay. A Tumblr anon. Um, Confession time. I have no conflicts about shipping both Destial and Wincest as long as they're both done well. When I do feel conflicted, I just say screw it and read Wincestiel. None of my fandom friends know I play both sides. Season 1 through 3 are Wincest and season 4 plus is Destial. This is like one of those interesting things where like people occasionally send us confessions where I'm like, I don't know why that's a secret. Yeah. Uh, And I think that that speaks to a larger issue of, like, apparently people still take shipping really seriously. I know, and I always, you know what, if we were talking about Due South a little bit, this is like, it comes back to a a swing both rays way thing to me. Yes, oh, you're right. For people who don't know, in Due South, uh, there are two dudes named Ray, and the first two seasons, Fraser travels around with Ray 1, 
And in the second two seasons, he travels around with Ray too. And people got really serious about like which Ray they liked. And to be fair, I prefer Ray one, which is like the smaller pairing. And I felt pretty strongly about it. But then I was like, people were like, wait, why are we fighting about this? I swing both rays. Yeah. And I think you'd like every once in a while, if someone is getting up in your grill about shipping, you just have to be like, listen, it's cool to swing both rays. Yeah, but I feel like it's hard because even if you say that to someone, they may not necessarily be like, ha, 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 you're correct and I'm being ridiculous. Do you know what I mean? I feel like people genuinely still get really upset about it. And it's like, um, like the ship wars in Harry Potter, like. Do you remember that shit? Like, no, because I kept into some safe corners of Harry Potter. I have a friend who was one of the mods on Fiction Alley, and like, (laughs) she talks about that shit. Like, she was like fighting some fuckers with mustard gas, like (laughs) acting the foxholes, like finding Jesus, and like realizing that you were sort of gay. Like, that was the like dark fucking times for people. And I still, like, it's never made sense to me because although I, I feel like I probably come from, like, a privileged point of view on this where, like, for whatever reason, typically speaking, maybe it's just my plebeian tastes, like, my ships have mostly been of the ships that are predominantly powerful, like, in a fandom. Like, I shipped McKay Shepard, I shipped Dean Castiel in Supernatural, although Supernatural is an interesting one where there's, like, a huge preponderance of Winces, too. So that's, like, a 50-50 split. But I've just never sort I've, like, really never understood the impetus to have, like, a ship war. Like, okay, so you don't like this, don't read it. Or, like, oh, I don't like that, I'm just not going to read it. I, like, didn't ever get why people were, like, up in arms about it. No, I've never understood it either. And it's, I don't know, I feel like maybe if you have, like, weird dietary conditions, you understand this better. But if you're like, I can't eat that. I have weird dietary conditions, though. Like, I don't know if everyone on fan, in, like, in Slash Report, listenership knows this, but I'm basically, like, the Jim Kirk slash McKay of, like, reality. Like, I'm allergic to everything. Well, um, Including, like, 50% of the food of the world. Yeah. But, I mean, I think at that point, it's kind of like where, let's say that you were out somewhere, and someone was like, you have to eat this, you're gonna really like it, and you're like, I can't, I will, like, throw up if I eat that. And they get really mad at you, and you're like, but I have an allergy. Like, I feel like if you are the person who has the allergy, maybe you understand better that, like, you don't have to like all of the food. You don't have to like all of the ships. And I don't care if you like spicy food. I can't eat spicy food. Or, like, you can't yeah, eat apples. Yeah, but I feel like, are food. people actually forcing you or getting mad at you for not doing it, though? Have you never had someone try to force you to eat something and then you puked on them? Yeah. Yes, I have had such situations where people are like, you have to eat this. Like, specifically my mom, when she, like, wouldn't believe my increasingly, and frankly, they are ridiculous, my increasingly ridiculous food allergies. But, like, not in fandom. Like, my mom is one thing. Like, no one in fandom has ever been like, you have to read this. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's really easy to get out of an interaction with someone in fandom. You just stop talking to them. I guess, but, I mean... I get a lot of emails from people who are like, you have to read this. And I'm like, either I've already read it and I don't like it. Or I've read it and it's like tagged on my pinboard like three pages back. And I appreciate you sending me the thing. But like a lot of the time I just don't respond because I'm like, I, I don't care. But some people get really annoyed by those emails. I, you know, I, I get more of those emails than probably anybody. <laughs> and like, I just skim over them. So I just, I don't know. Maybe I'm just weird. It just doesn't, I've never understood it. No, I've never understood it either. But let's move on. Yes. Uh, Anon from Tom, this is going to be an interesting one, MK. (laughs) For Slash Report, is there a fandom you regret getting into? All of them? No, I I regret nothing. I regret everything. I I don't know. (laughs) It's so complicated. I, 
I don't think that there is one that I regret getting into. There are shows I regret watching, but I don't feel like I was that fanish about them. Like, Criminal Minds, I think we both regret watching that. I don't regret the first three seasons. Okay, but after that... Yes, then there's just a lot of regret. Also, I think that you might have some regret over getting into House. I have regret over getting into House the second time. That was my fault. Yes, that is the regret. But but that's like watching a show. I don't know that there are fandoms that I regret getting into because it's so easy to get out of. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, there are fandoms that I look back at and I'm like, oh, all my contributions to that were pretty terrible. But I think I've had positive experiences and everything and... I wouldn't trade those. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, in theory, I should regret getting into Supernatural. You know what? Actually, I do regret getting into Supernatural. You weren't, were you in Supernatural? Yeah, I was in it for the first show for a while, but were you in the fandom? I was reading fan fiction and everything. Oh, wow. Yeah, I shipped Wincest and I was super into it for like three seasons. And then I was like, what? No. It's like (laughs) I woke up and I was like, this is a terrible dream. I need to end it. (laughs) You shipped Wincest? I know. Things you somehow didn't know about me. I feel like there's like a lot of stuff I need to email you now. No, I I won't do any of it anymore. Like it's it's dead to me. But did you read the amazing story where Dean like kept a bunch of trolls as like pets? No, because I'm not you. (laughs) Okay, the gremlin story, like people who are listening to this podcast who know this story, like are laughing already because this the the story where Dean like finds gremlins in the Impala, tries to get rid of them using magic, and fails. And then they become his, like, weird pets is the greatest story of all time. Nope. Like, he teaches them to say terrible things, like, pussy is delicious, and feeds them french fries. She refuse. A thousand percent. It is arguably, like, one of the greatest fics ever written. And the fact that you haven't experienced this joy is sad. It's not sad. It's my safety net. It's really depressing for me. I'm see, sad like- for you. Right now, I am regretting ever having been in Supernatural fandom. (laughs) It's happening right now. (laughs) All right, whatever, fine. Also, Anon from Tumblr. I remember once that this one was sent to me. Um, You mentioned that you loved slash hated the proposal because it had all the right rom-com ingredients but done the wrong way. I cannot remember in what medium somewhere that I've followed you. Uh, Would love to hear you expound on that on Slash Report if random rom-com musings makes the programming list. I have so many random rom-com musings. Wait, can we talk about the proposal and the way that you and I interacted through the proposal? Which is that one year there was like a Merlin Big Bang where they had a proposal AU. And I loved it, okay? I read it and I was so happy. I was like, this story is amazing. And you were like, yeah, but it's based on the movie The Proposal. And I was like, what movie? Yeah. <laughs> um, because I, I afterwards, I tried watching The Proposal, and I hated the movie. It's infuriating. That movie is infuriating. Because it should be great. And it That's, isn't. It should be two weeks notice levels great. And it isn't. It sucks balls. And the most infuriating thing about that movie is because Ryan Reynolds and Sandra Bullock actually have amazing chemistry, and they're really cute, and both of them are fantastic comic actors. I actually hate both of them. I love both of them. Um, And I love the way that they interacted with each other in that movie as well. But, like, that movie basically was like, oh, I have a really good idea, but I'm just going to, like, yeah, put a bunch of poop on it. Like, why would you do that to such a charming, hilarious concept? And why would you take, like, so many easy ways out, you know? And it had, like, great shining moments of, like, 
the closing scene where Ryan Reynolds is like, I want you to marry me so that I can date you is like so perfect. And like the opening sort of loathing and craziness um, between the boss and like subordinate is all great. And like just executed so lazily and so stupidly. And you took a cast that included people like fucking Betty White and you ruined it. Like what's wrong with you? Like whoever made that movie should be ashamed of themselves. Well, that's like I always have a a love-hate relationship with watching rom-coms, right? Like, I don't know. A friend of mine and I have what we call adventure nights, where we make a plan to go somewhere, but instead we get lost and we wind up somewhere else. Right. And one night we were on an adventure night, and we were trying to find this restaurant, which we could... It's called uh, Chalet Portuguese. Okay. And they took the sign of a Swiss chalet, but replaced Swiss with Portuguese. So it's like a Portuguese Swiss chalet. Um, but we couldn't find it. And we wound up at this, like, shit movie theater, and we decided to watch 27 Dresses. And I love that movie, but I hate that movie. <laughs> the same way that, like, I love and hate every single rom-com ever. Like, you go in, and you're like, this looks terrible. And then you're like, no, it's amazing. And then you're like, no, it's terrible. Or you go in, and you're like, this looks great. And then you're like, it's terrible. And at the end, you're like, it's still terrible. Why did I like it? <laughs> like, there's no, there's never a, like, I really just loved this whole movie. It's always a mixture of, like, agony and joy see i am not quite like that like i unironically and unreservedly love romantic comedies um some of my favorite movies ever are romantic comedies um roman holiday sabrina the new version not the one with audrey hepburn because the loathing is so obvious on screen i don't understand how anyone enjoys that movie um i loved how to steal a million those are all the classic ones uh, but I also love Sleepless in Seattle and You've Got Mail and... Okay, I love those two. Two Weeks Notice. Eh. And I really enjoy 27 Dresses, like a, a ton of other romantic comedies. I love but, 27 Dresses, except there's a point in the middle where I was like, I get that your sister is evil and my sister is evil, but why are you forgiving her? Well, I'm, that's more you than the movie. Yeah, I know. Um, but I, like... It's one of those things where that movie could have been so good and it was just so fucking poorly executed that I was, like, offended. <laughs> yeah, it happens a lot. Ugh. 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 Okay, we're gonna lazy. Be- Such lazy execution. But you could say that about most modern rom-coms. Well, you could say that about a lot of modern movies. Yeah, I mean, so White House Down. White House yeah. Down. Thanks, White House Down. Case in point. The number of terrible, so this $5 theater guys plays whatever movie is out at the regular theater right now, but on Tuesdays, everything is $5 flat, including tax. So right. So like hand over a $5 bill and you get to see like, I could probably see White House down on Tuesday. Um, but I have seen so many terrible fucking movies at that theater now, because I'm like, well, that looks like it might be worth $5, but no more than $5. I watched <laughs> Jack the Giant Slayer. Don't watch that. <laughs> like, just don't. I mean, I don't know. I watched, yeah, there was an action. I watched the new G.I. Joe. Don't right. watch that either. I, I won't. I mean, the only reason to watch G.I. Joe is because Joseph Gordon-Levitt, isn't it? They replaced him in this one. I know. And that's why you're not going to watch this one. Or well, other people aren't. No, because I was like, okay, I didn't know that he would be in, like, that his character is still in the second movie, but they didn't use him. And I heard that in the first movie, it was Joseph Gordon-Levitt, but you couldn't tell because he, like, never took off his fucking mask. And I started watching the new G.I. Joe, and I got all excited because they were like, he's going to take off his mask. And I was like, it's going to be Joseph Gordon-Levitt. And then it was some asshole. 
And I was like, what have you done? Uh, I hate it. Let's move on. All right. We have an Anon via the confessional. I have such a crush on one of my fandom friends. She is so smart and charming, and we have a lot in common outside of fandom. Should I say anything when we meet up for the first time in September? We live in different provinces, but I know she's queer and single. Probably nothing will happen, but I can't stop dreaming about seeing her. I don't know how to handle this, because on the one hand, I'm like, it might just be, uh, like, an art crush? Yeah. I. How about this, Anon? When you meet her, depending on how much time you spend with her, go into it with the thought that, like, if you still feel about her the way that you feel right now at the end of your time with her, then maybe it's worth saying something. But don't say anything at the beginning. No, because that's going to make shit real awkward. Real fast. Real fast. Especially if, like, if she does feel the same way about you, like, that means you guys are on, like, a date for however long it is you're there together. Yeah. With all the expectations of the date. Do you know what I mean? And it can be very stressful. And that can be, like, sort of uncomfortable for everyone involved. Yeah. Uh, Whereas otherwise, you're just hanging out as bros, which is completely low stress and fun. Um, And number two, like, we've talked about this before. Like, just because you get along with someone really well on the internet doesn't necessarily translate into real life. So hold off on, like, going balls to the wall on those feelings until you find out whether or not you actually get along with her in real life as well. Yeah, I've, you know, there are times when I meet someone from the internet and I'm like, you know, on the internet you're fine, in real life you're awesome, and other times where I'm like, on the internet you're awesome, and in real life I want to murder you. (laughs) That happens, and it's fine. You can still be friends on the internet if it doesn't work out in real life. Exactly. But you know, MK and I are like total saps. We're never going to be like, no, don't fall in love with a fangirl. Yeah, because it would be beautiful if you two got together. Like, if this turned out to be, like, adorable and lovely, like, fabulous. Have a great wedding. Have eight babies. They'll be fantastic. Why did you just become Fran Drescher? Shut up! But <laughs> don't don't put all of your, like, queer eggs in one basket until you are pretty sure that you like her as much in person as you do on the internet. Yeah, and I mean, try to gauge her feelings in return, right? Yeah, exactly. Although that's always really hard to gauge. And I feel like, for the most part, people regret not having telling, told people their feelings more than regretting telling them. I'm a robot, so I don't count. Well, okay, maybe. But I feel like it, the temporary sting of rejection is temporary, and like however embarrassed you feel is temporary. But regret is one of those things that lingers, and it grows long fingers, and it climbs into your head at all times. So... Keep, Keep in, mind in mind that Prue and I are also opposites, so I would say the exact opposite of that, but go with your gut. <laughs> wait until the end I, of the trip. I always prefer to know. I always would rather have the truth, at least. I would prefer never to know and to save that embarrassment from ever happening. How do you get through life, man? Well, pretty well. But, like, don't you have moments where it's just unavoidable, like, embarrassment? Oh my Although God. I guess most people have fewer of those moments than I do. Um, I am still haunted by them to this day. Oh, that sucks. Yeah, so, you know, Prue has a pretty good handle on embarrassment. I do not. It just happens a lot. (laughs) I had to get a handle on it. Really embarrassing things happen to her all the time. Just all the time. (laughs) For me, I have less frequent but hugely embarrassing things happen, so I have zero capability of dealing with it. Yeah, fair enough. All right, last question. Series of questions. Yes. From Useno71. Sorry if I butchered your name. You still there? Cox. I'm here. Okay. First of all, how about them Blackhawks? Yeah. Pretty exciting. I'm amped. Prue does not care. Yes. 
Uh, how do you think the hockey RPF fandom will progress now that the season is over? How do you think it will compare to the summer hiatus of a TV show fandom? I think it's going to be pretty amped up for a while, um, especially for the Blackhawks. Yeah, you know what? Hilariously, I was at dinner with people who are not, like, super into hockey fandom, but are actually just, like, into hockey and who are aware of fandom. And when we were talking, I actually posed this question to them because I was like, I have less than zero fucks to give about hockey fandom. So, like, what are your thoughts on this? And they're saying that it's going to be really interesting because it will be, for the most part, it will be the first time fandom goes through an entire hockey season while actually being fanish about it. So it'll be interesting to see how they react to that. It's also interesting because the gap between this season and next season is so short because of that lockout. Yeah. Like, and it starts again in September, guys. Right. And then the other interesting thing will be, like, this is, this is like, one of those, like, major differences between, quote-unquote, traditional sports fans and the way that fandom has reacted to hockey, and which is why, like, I found it really baffling when the playoffs were going on, and you guys were like, I can't do anything. I have to watch every game of this series. Um, because just for context, like, I'm a huge sports fan, and I don't do that because there are a lot of games and you can't like, it's just such a fucking time suck and I have to go outside and have a job and like wash myself. Um, I was doing my exercise while I was watching those games. Actually like started an exercise routine built around intermission. Anyways. So I'm going to be really interested to see like how people actually juggle the time commitments involved in that. Because like the only people I know well, the only people that I sort of like in my sports circles that like watch every game are like the basement dwelling mouth breathers. Cause it's just su- like, you can't have anything else going on. Yeah. Like there's just so many games. Um, and apparently hockey has like a ton of games, right? Like I don't really know anything about a the A ton league. of games. And if you're following more than one team, a lot of the time they overlap. So oh, that's going to be hard. It's really hard. This season, even this past season, I had to choose which team I was going to watch for an evening. But if one of my teams started losing, I would switch to the other game. Yeah, I also don't understand this concept of having more than one team either. But um, And then the other thing um, one of them mentioned was uh, the Olympics are going to change the dynamic. And she was curious to know whether or not, like, the amazingly horrible LGBT issues that Russia has will have any sort of bearing on the way fandom reacts with hockey. It's really hard to say, though. I feel like, uh, obviously, the Russian person or player that fandom is most interested in is Malkin. Um, And Malkin basically ran away from Russia in order to play hockey in America. And while he can return to Russia now and still play, there's enough background there that I think it's not as much of an issue for him inside fandom. Okay. It's complicated and it's a big fucking, it sounds like a beautiful fairy tale romance. I'll tell it to you even though you'll hate me, but then you'll be like, that is beautiful. I already know it and I so don't care. (laughs) Okay. Well, that's all you really need to know then. Yeah. Uh, Are you watching? Yeah, so I mean, I, I don't know. I've never, I've never seen a sports fandom last for a long time, I guess is like yeah. all I have to say about that. So I don't really know how hockey's going to go. And I'm biased as a Canadian because I was in hockey slash when I was in high school and I am again now, but like Canadian. So it doesn't count. Yeah. I do wonder how it's going to go down because I feel like it's been pervasive it's and pervasive. it'll be interesting to see where this goes. Yeah. All right, so the next question that she had is, are you watching Oh, actually, wait, sorry, before we go, what about, like, when they start doing trades and shit? Oh, yeah, well, that'll be interesting, but that's, like, I guess the main thing is, do you think that you could ever slash someone with Joffrey Lupul other than himself if they get, like, some hot young thing onto the Leafs? 
I don't know what any of that meant, but I just meant, like, don't you guys have, like, OCPs and stuff? Like, Yeah, but for the most part, those are not going to move around. Okay. Um, so, for instance, on the Carolina Hurricanes, the main pairing is Eric Stahl slash Jeff Skinner. I'm still so weirded out by two elements of this. Carolina. Number one, that you guys slash the Canes. And number two, that Carolina still has a fucking hockey team. I know. I have one ice rink. I know, but you know what? I kind of want to take a trip down there and see a game because they're basically giving tickets away. They're so cheap. Yeah, because it's North Carolina, bro. Like, I know. I love it. We don't even like football. Like, Why would we like hockey? So good for me. Anyways, the point is, um, the Canes already talked about some of the stuff that they're doing, and they're definitely keeping Jeff Skinner because he's a delight. Um, and it's like... Eric Stahl is not going anywhere. He's the captain. Instead, they're just bringing on another one of his brothers. So there's going to be like four Stahls playing on that team. Great. Um, and likewise, Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin have just signed on for like another eight years together or something. They're like, no, we love playing in Pittsburgh. We'll never leave. So like, that's set. I'm just like now imagining like every one of these assholes from the hurricane sitting in Gypsy Shiny Diner. That's what it's called. Um, right next to the fucking ice house. With, like, a million, like, hungover kids from NC State parked around them. Good. Good. I love that you know all these details, and one day if I ever write fic for them, I'm gonna be like, I need some wheat googling, give me your brain. I'm just gonna tell you lies. Yeah, and then they're gonna write them in and get laughed at. And then people are gonna be like, where did you get this nonsense? The state animal of North Carolina is not the unicorn. Who <laughs> like, told me it was? Whoa, whoa, whoa. If the state, like, if any state is going to change its animal to the unicorn now, it's going to be Chicago because Patrick Kane wore a fucking, like, unicorn hat or whatever during his drunken revelries. I just can't with that guy because he choked a lady. Um, anyway, next question. Orange drink. Um, are you watching season three of Teen Wolf at all? And if so, what are your feelings? Neither of us is watching it, uh, but what I do which is, like, terrible and excellent, is about once a week because Marilyn is watching it and has I seen know, more episodes so than any of us. She's the only person who actually watches that show. It's so good. I'm like, Marilyn, give me a recap. But her recap is totally biased in a way that, like, because she doesn't care about Derek and Styles, she only cares about Danny and Isaac. So yeah, I'm which getting, is like, why one of them will die soon. One of them will definitely die soon. But that means that I'm getting, like, a totally different perspective, and I feel like between Tumblr and Marilyn, I have a pretty good idea of what's going on. Nice. (laughs) It's, like, more of a balanced coverage thing. Um, her next question. I've been a lurker in fandom for a long time, and now I'm trying to get more involved. I'm not up to writing right now because it's not really my forte, but I would be interested in maybe making a primer or posting some meta. So my question is, where would you post something like that? I know LJ is pretty much deserted now, and AO3 is more for fix. Would you post something like that on Dreamwith? I would post it on Tumblr. I sadly agree with you, even though I find Tumblr the most text-unfriendly format in the world. Yeah, well, I feel like if you're doing a primer, you can have a lot of pictures in there. Yeah, Um, But, and I know that this makes me a bit of an asshole, I hate it when people post primers and meta to the AO3. I'm firmly against it in every aspect, like, with my entire body. Really? Yeah. Because you know what happens? I what? used to have a subscription or a series of subscriptions to certain pairing tags on AO3. Right. And I would have an RSS feed that would be like, hey, here are like 12 new Derek Styles fix. And I would click on it, and four of them would be fucking meta. Well, I mean, the problem, like, where else would you post it? Like, if you have a heavy text-based meta, like, where else would you put it? I would put it on Tumblr, and I would intersperse it with pictures. It's just unreadable on Tumblr, though. That's your problem, not mine. <laughs> Like, maybe there needs to be a separate meta archive, but I think that shit should be kept away from fanfiction. 
Because if I'm looking for fanfiction, I don't want to find your meta under, like, the Derek Styles section on AO3. If I'm like, I want a Derek Styles story that's complete, and get your thing. No. Still, but it's still fandom creation, so why is it so different? Well, it should be kept, you know, like, how they're working on the way that they host video there? Right. Uh, eventually, supposedly, you'll be able to search separately for video than for fanfiction, which will be great, because right now it's just kind of jumbled up and confusing. Yeah, I would prefer it if there was a way that you could, like, indicate that this is not a fanfic. It's just, like, it's a meta piece. Like, that would really solve the problem. Yeah. I just want it to be able, like, a better search function where you can separate out these different kinds of fanish creation. <sighs> yeah. No, that would definitely be great. I mean, like, there are a lot of issues with the way that, like, that sort of stuff has, like, bled into the AO3 and the way that fanfic writing has changed a lot that, like, I'm way too bitter old fan queen about in general. Like the quote-unquote trend for not fix, like, I hate those. I've read, like, one or two that I liked, but I was also extremely frustrated while reading them because I was like, but you could have just done this properly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It drives me crazy for that exact reason. Um, what else drives me crazy? And this is just, like, literally there's no reason for me to drive, for this to drive me crazy, except that, like, I hate looking at it, is Tumblr-style tags in the AO3. It drives me bonkers. I know that, like, functionally those don't get, like, they're listed there, but they don't fuck up your search or whatever. But a lot of people I find use Tumblr-style tags instead of, or to the exclusion of, actual AO3-appropriate tags. And I'm like, it's fine if your Tumblr-style tags on AO3 don't, like, it's not fucking up the tag listing. But that, you should still tag things the way that AO3 makes it searchable, because otherwise your story isn't going to come up properly, and if someone's looking for it, they're not going to find it, and then you're going to be frustrated, and they're going to be frustrated, and you've just fucked over, like, yourself and everyone else. I think more than that, like, I just judge people so hard when they do that. Well, I also assume that they're 12. I don't necessarily assume that they're 12. I just, like, there's a certain sort of, like, lowest common denominator in the way that people talk. Um about shit, like, on Tumblr, that, like, I'm like, okay, whatever. Like, this medium is built, or the, the way that people have decided to interact with fandom on this medium is, like, you post a picture, you, like, post all of your, like, fucking feels or whatever, like, in the tags. And I, generally speaking, like, find that, like, really dumb. But whatever. That's the way fan Tumblr works, and I can't wait until Yahoo kills it so that we can all go somewhere else. Um, but I hate... No, I genuinely feel that way. I'm sorry, people who like Tumblr. It's just a really stupid website. Um, and I really dislike having the same experience on AO3. Like, just because, like, I don't want to have to read through, like, a paragraph of your sort of, like, poorly grammatically rendered squeeing or, like, whatever to try and figure out, like, what is the story actually about? Like... Yeah, no, that's fair enough. And, like, and generally speaking, this is just me being a dick again. Like, I find a very low correlation between people who have, like, a lot of Tumblr-style tags and readable fic. That's also, I've noticed the same trend, but I have a similar thing where, and you disagree with me on this, I want extensive and detailed tagging on, like, Pinboard, and a lot of people don't tag at all, uh, or, and or, do not have, like, a proper summary in there. Like, I don't care if you're pasting the fix summary, or if you're posting your feelings about that story in the summary field, but if you don't have enough information, if you just have, like, the title there, I hate you. Well, here's the difference, though, between Pinboard and AO3. Pinboard is ostensibly a private bookmarking service. But that's not how but, people use it. But that's not how you use it. That's how someone who's just posting the title uses it. So you can be as annoyed as you want, but it doesn't matter because you can't dictate how other people are using their private information, right? AO3 is a different beast because ostensibly you're posting it there because you want other people to read it. Yeah. 
And, like, there are some people who can, like, break the fucking rules and, like, not play the game correctly, but, like, people will, like, find your fit by accident or design or whatever. But that's not necessarily the case. Like, you want to be able to, like, make things discoverable. I always want information to be more easily searchable and indexable and just found in general. Yeah. My general frustration is when people are, in my opinion, doing it wrong. Yeah, but I mean, I think that we always have to take a step back and be like, okay, what is our definition of doing it wrong versus someone else's? And like, you and I even differ on this because I'm so old school, bitter old fan queen. Like, as many people have very kindly pointed out, like in the comments of my stories, they're like, you forgot to tag the pairing. I didn't forget to tag the pairing. I never tag the pairing. I don't want to tag the pairing. I don't want to tell you what it is. I'm not going to tag, like, for 98% of everything, I'm not going to tag any archive warnings either because I find that sort of stuff, like, gives away the story and you can disagree and just not read it. Yeah, you and I disagree on that, but I just, ugh. I don't know. I mean, the, the thing is, like, we're sort of in, like, a fandom transitional phase, right? Like, all of the rules that we used to operate under made sense on, like, a primarily text-based interactive format. And now we've moved to Tumblr, which is built for images, but so much of fandom is still text-based. Yeah, it's weird. I feel like this is, like, a, an intermediary phase between two Marshall McLuhan ideas. Yeah, I'm really curious as to, like, what's going to happen next. Like, are is Tumblr going to introduce features that make it more, fan, like, make it more friendly to text? <laughs> Probably or, not. No, obviously not. Or, like, are we just kind of... Because the problem with this, right, is the same problem that we have with Delicious, where every time we have to move mediums, we lose a chunk of participants. Yes. Like, people kind of scatter. We lose a bunch of stuff that was archived. So, like, at least with Dream With and Live Journal, even though we're no longer there, 98% of the time, if you click on an old LJ link, you can still find something. Like, it still exists, unless the person has purged their journal or, like, has locked the entry somehow. And I will say, eventually I caved and bought an archival pinboard account. Yeah. Which I fucking love, because now that stuff is locked down forever. But that does, but that's not true of Tumblr, you know? Like, how many times have I clicked on a link to something, and it just, it's gone, because someone changed their username? I hate it when they change their username. People change their username all the time. And it should redirect, but it doesn't, because Tumblr sucks. Yeah, which is why I want the site to die and for everyone to go find something else. But, like, so that's my primary concern at this point. Because, like, fandom is nothing but the corpus of its product. And, like, this is the worst fucking medium for it. And which is why I would rather someone post meta to the AO3. I don't know that it's the worst medium for it, but I do think What would be worse? Well, I don't know, but... That's because there is none right now. No, like, no, because I think that it's it really... It that would be worse. The way that we can now share a gif of something like you don't have to watch the episode you can look at some gifs and you know basically what happened i think that's important but that's not tumblr based do you know what i mean like we could have done that before i guess but i feel like it's a tumblr is the reason that that is a more common way of communicating now which fine you know what that's great but i'm talking about like long term long term there's no such thing as long term in fandom it changes like every five years if that's the case, then why am I still able to find old X-Files stories? Like, reliably. I don't know. Because fandom has to have some sort of permanence. Like, that's why we wanted the AO3. Yeah, that's true. But, I mean, the platform has to evolve with the user base, right? Yes. But I'm just saying that, like, right now, we're all like, okay, we're not we. I'm not. But, like, right now, the majority of fandom is like, okay, this is great. Like, I really love GIFs. I really like doing this. I really like doing that. But, like, in a year or two... 
when everything goes to shit or like everyone has changed their usernames like so many times that like you can't track down anything anymore. Like you've lost entire bodies of work that existed during periods of time. Like I'm never like, there's actually like a bunch of stuff from old social network fandom where people like posted stuff on Tumblr, but this fandom is like two years old now. Right. Yeah. So I will like try to find it and it's, undiscoverable and I even know the people who are in that fan I know who posted it I can't find it anymore because it's somewhere like 700 pages back in their tumblr yeah no that sucks it's like gone forever and it's because the medium is so fucking unfriendly to finding something so basically the way the new paradigm of fandom is like if you're not in it at the exact moment in time it's in it like you can never access it again like that's horrible I don't want that I don't want that either. I don't know what the solution is, but... Neither do I. I just want, like, you know what I would, like, ideally love? If, like, Tumblr made it more, made itself more text-friendly and implemented, like, a commenting system. Really? I hate commenting systems. I hate them so much. You don't like it when people are able to talk in comments? No. So you would rather have people reblog wank at each other? <laughs> well, not necessarily, but, I mean... I think about the YouTube. How many times, I, I guess I may, mainly in like, okay, so I see stuff like someone has posted something interesting or like someone has made a comment on an image or like a comment on a piece of meta on Tumblr, right? And I think it's interesting. I have something to add. I have no way of doing that. Not really. And okay, so that is a downside. But the upside is you don't get like shit YouTube comments or like newspaper article comments. Yeah, but fandom doesn't ever lend itself to that. Are you kidding? Do you know how much shit happens in comments everywhere? Like, I've gotten stupid comments on AO3 where people have, like, yelled at me for something that I'm like, it's my story that was never gonna happen. Deal with it. Okay, I just, for the record, like, no one can ever be like, haven't you ever gotten dumb comments? Like, I get the dumbest comments in the universe. Obviously. I would still rather have them because the majority of comments are not like that in fandom. I guess. I mean, I'm not saying I don't like getting comments because obviously I like getting comments. But I feel like comments on Tumblr don't have as much value as they do on other platforms. So there's no need for a comment system. See, I feel like it stifles so much discussion. Like, there's been a ton of, like, there have been a ton of times I've wanted to be like, hey, person who made this, this is really cool. I would like to tell you something. I can't. There's no way for me to do it. I can either do it as an ask, which I don't really want to do. Um, I can reblog it, but there's no guarantee they'll see it. Like, people have actually like reblogged posts I've made with like comments and like stuff to me but I didn't see it because it was way down my dash at some point so like it's lost the annals of time now that's fair enough it's just it's a horrible system horrible and like it's fine that this is what people are using right now but like it bothers me so much because I can like see like three years from now everything's gonna be missing like, whatever major- whatever fandoms have, like, grown up and, like, flourished on Tumblr are just going to be decimated unless people have put their meta and stuff, like, on AO3. Right. And I don't necessarily know that, like, fic is, is subject to that because I think most people are posting to AO3 now, but um, other stuff, like, all the other stuff that goes around it. Like, any primers, like, sort of, any sort of, like, meta discussion, all of that stuff, gone. All right, well, I think we have to move on. I think that was it, though. I think that that was it. We didn't have anything else, except for... Our special feature. Our special feature. So, guys, we've been talking for a while about what to do when we go on hiatus, because we're probably going to go on hiatus in the near future, soonish, um, because this is a lot of work. And also, we've discussed how, like, we love doing the show, but 
it's a major time commitment and we would enjoy, it's not that we don't enjoy doing the show. We would enjoy like being primed for the show instead of just like scrambling to find topics. Yeah. And there are times when it's just like, we don't have anything that we want to talk about right now. And then it sucks because you guys don't get an episode. Yep. Um, and what we've decided to do is kind of a cool thing, which is like a guest episode special sort of. Yes. This is going to address a couple of things that we get a lot, um, where people ask us about certain topics that we're just not going to do, either because we're not equipped to do it, or we just have no interest in doing it. Um, prime examples of this are going to be, like, people who want another Teen Wolf episode, or... Pardon? Les Mis. Yeah, someone has asked, like, either two people have asked about Les Mis, or several people have asked about Les Mis, or one person with a bunch of sock puppets has asked us about Les Mis. Yeah. Um, other things that we're just, like, not aware of, because we obviously can't speak to every corner of fandom, and we're not even equipped to find the right people to speak to every corner of fandom. So what we thought is we would open up the floodgates here and let you guys record your own episodes for our hiatus periods. With a couple of caveats. Yes, there are rules associated with this. Just Um, because there have to be. Obviously. The, The rules are fairly simple. Um... Your episode should be no no longer than about, what what did we say? Did we say two or one hour max? Probably two hours. That's generally our max. Yeah. So, like, your episode should be about two hours maximum. Um, try not to have it suck. I know that's pretty broad. But <laughs> Just imagine have it be and Hoyden on either shoulder being like, don't suck. Yes, exactly. That always works for me. <laughs> be entertaining um my other rule is there have to be at least two people on the podcast like we really don't need a two-hour long soliloquy from somebody on a fandom i don't care how great it sounds if you can make it sound like there are three people and you're only one go for it that's like then you deserve to be <laughs> podcasted <laughs> you're that good at voices um and the way this is going to work is we would like you if you're interested in this if this sounds like a good idea if you would like to try it out to go ahead and send us a pitch, so basically 400 words or less, um, of what you would like to talk about. This doesn't have to be, like, a very detailed thing. Just, like, let us know what the topic is. So if someone sends us a thing and it's like, I would really like to talk about the ins and outs of Vore for, like, an hour, I might say no to that. Just because we're actually going to have to listen to the episodes before we run it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But if you would like, as a lot of people clearly want, like if you guys want to do another Teen Wolf episode and have it run on our website with the opening and closing music and with the listenership that generally listens to Slash Report, then yeah, you guys should have at it and put something together. There are a lot of people who want to hear about that. Um, The same way that like, if you guys want to put together a Les Mis episode to talk about the movie versus the book versus everything like that, that is another really good topic for you guys to address. Um... The first step is going to be to send us like that pitch, like we said, 400 words or less, send that to slash report at gmail.com and we'll pick through those. And this is going to be on a rolling basis. So you can send those pitches in anytime. Yeah. It does not matter. It does not matter. Um, And if we think that it's going to work out, if that sounds interesting to us, we'll send you an email with like further details on some tips, tricks, links, stuff like that. And your job from then on will be to record the episode and get us an MP3 file of it. And MK and I will handle putting in the music, putting it on the website, distributing running it. Yeah. Yeah. That's about it. I think it's going to be really fun. I think you guys have a lot to talk about and you know, we'd like to hear it. We would, we would definitely like to hear it. 
And these will typically run on during any time that we're having hiatus. So like we typically go on like a couple months hiatus, like during the winter. And it feels like this year we're going to go on like a month hiatus during the summer. Yeah. Well, you and I have a lot of stuff happening this summer and we're going to need a break. Yes. Yeah. Something like that. But, you know, feel free to, like, ask us any questions that pop up. Like, feel free to add us on Twitter. Like, ask us on Tumblr. Email us questions to the Slash Report account. All of that stuff. Yeah, let us know. We're excited. We are. We're excited to see, like, what people come up with. Because I feel like there's so many topics that we're just, like, not equipped to talk about. Yeah, we had, like, a... We had an open submission for episode topics once. And I looked at a bunch of them and I was like, these are awesome. I don't know anything about that. I know. I don't know what I would ever say about it, but I want to hear it. I know. It's it's true. And you know what? I feel like this this covers the other thing. Like, if there's just one topic that you really wanted to talk about, but you have no interest in doing, like, a full series of podcasts, this is it. This is the perfect place for you to leverage that. Absolutely. Yep. Cool. All right. I think that's it for us. This has been long as hell. It's so long, and I still have to edit it today. I know. Go yeah. us. Yay. I don't think it's that bad. It, we'll see. Yeah, <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. All right, that does it for us this week. Thanks, guys, for tuning in. And we'll see you probably next week. I know. See you on the flip side. Bye. Bye. You and your slut whatever. I actually changed out of something even sluttier.